the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Marvel. Oh, hello there. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, the podcast of Marvel that brings you all the great things that Marvel does. This is episode number two. 33. What? My name is Ben Morse. I am the editorial director of Marvel Digital Media. Not joined today by Agent M. Ryan Panagos. Joined instead by a very special guest. Yeah. You know him from previous appearances on the podcast. I know him from his house and other places. Uh-huh. Although I've never been to where you currently live. I haven't been over. I don't right. think I've been to your house. You've not been to where I currently live. Mm-mm. My old dearest friend, Ricky Purden. Hi, uh, I'm Ricky Purden, the talent relations manager here at Marvel. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I haven't been on a podcast with you before. No. Just Ryan. This is a new experience. Yeah. So you filled in for me a bunch while I was gone. It'll be it'll be less stressful. Really? Because when Ryan and I are here, we'll ask about some, like, what was the first appearance of Wildebeest? Mm-hmm. And then we'll make something up and we'll be like, oh, we yeah. wish Ben was here. Because that's what I would know. You know the first appearance Wildebeest, of Wildebeest. Definitely a DC character. What's the guy? Who's the guy? Is it? <laughs> yes. Who's the guy? Who's the guy with two faces? Two heads. Two face? No, the um. Oh, Bybees. 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 Is he a DC character? Is it? He's a Marvel character. Bybees. Listen, Ricky and I have a lot of DC <laughs> stuff to talk about here yeah. on the official Marvel <laughs> podcast. Uh, also, riding shotgun on this episode is our intern. Lexi, yeah, who I've been calling Alexis the whole time she's been here. Apparently Months. that's my name. Apparently that's like business formal. Now, Ricky, <laughs> do you know Lexi's hobbies and what she does? No. Oh, she, you can fill him in. What is she, it? Swimming? No, she is like a lethal weapon. She okay. is like a twelfth degree black belt. What? First. First degree black belt. That's insane. Like yeah. your whole life? Uh, eight years. Yeah. Also, so your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah most of your is, life. Yeah. <laughs> also. Mixed martial arts training. No way, that's great. Boxing. She could kill us. I can, I can, with no style at all, fall out of a chair. It's true. It's true. And hurt my knee like uh, that. But I can't kick anybody. We, back in the day, were pretty deadly with a Frisbee. Mm-hmm. The Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. You ever played Ultimate Frisbee? I have. I would see you as just playing Ultimate Frisbee and getting bored and saying, like, this is too tame. Well, I'm the uh, my bloodlust is overwhelming me. <laughs> I'm the one that throws it like this. Yeah, at oh, first. Good, really good. That was good. At first. Like, and then after a while, yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> dart precision. Yeah. I could hit the side of a large minivan. Yeah. Same here. No problem. I have hit the side of a large minivan. It's been a problem because <laughs> the alarm goes off. Yeah, and then you have to run. What about when, you, when you're practicing with your shuriken blades? Are those oh, not yes. similar? They're very similar, yeah. Do you I, not throw shuriken blades? No, I have no idea what they are. What? Like, no, ninja stars. They're ninja stars. Oh, it's okay. a fancy ninja. word for ninja star. Well, I know ninja did stars. You ever, did you ever own ninja stars? <laughs> no. I had, I had ninja stars once when I was a kid, but they were dull. Really? Which makes them even more dangerous. Yeah. Because as you throw them at a tree, they just bounce off yeah. back at you. Yeah, much more dangerous for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Guys, so many comics came out this week. Like, mm. more comics than I've ever seen before. Yeah. That's not true. I've probably seen more comics than this before. But it was a lot. Um, Ricky, you explained briefly why this happened to us. Why you and I have, like, 40 comics to talk about. Other, Do you want to give a quick yeah. overview? A- other than just Marvel's putting out great stuff. Yep. It, uh... <laughs> The, this is usually this is the second shipping week of the month. So a lot of times, if something falls out of a month, it'll 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 tumble no further than the second week of the following month. So if anything was late, it usually fell into this pocket, um, and and 
and and and we launched a bunch of new books recently mm-hmm. too. So there are there are a couple issue number ones in here as well. Yes, there are. So as stuff recycles in, other stuff will start cycling out. Um, the cycle of life at Marvel. Circle of life. Circle cycle. The circle of cycles. Yeah. So there you go. A little behind the scenes on how exactly the sausage gets made here mm-hmm. at Marvel. But you know what? Let's uh, let's stop talking about how the sausage gets made and let's eat it. Let's eat some sausage. Mm. Have a nice little sausage party here. And we're going to start off with the opposite of a sausage party in A-Force number four, <laughs> written by G. Willow Wilson and Kelly Thompson, art by Jorge Molina, colors by Laura Martin. It's a beautiful book. This is the climactic act to the first arc of A-Force here in the Marvel Universe. Now they're back from Battle World. Uh, you got Singularity tussling with antimatter. Well, the team tries to figure out a way to destroy antimatter without also destroying Singularity. It's a bit of a challenge. We get to see all the ladies of A-Force have their moment, whether it's She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, Nico, Medusa. They all go up against antimatter. It's kind of a classic superhero book with a nice little bit of science mixed in. A character who was thought to be off the table comes back onto the table, saves the day. And the big question is, coming out of this, do we still have Singularity? What will A-Force's mission be moving forward? Some cool stuff. It's uh, characters who you would never have seen together. You know, I certainly, as a youngster, would never have imagined that She-Hulk and Medusa would be headlining a book together. So it's pretty cool. And uh, Jorge Molina's art is really tight, as are Laura Martin's colors. Yep. Yep. I think this is Jorge's last issue on the series. Indeed it is. Uh, ben Caldwell is going to be coming in yep. as the new artist for the next little bit, which is very exciting because yeah. I love Ben Caldwell's stuff. Cool stuff. Uh, the next issue is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. number four. This is a tie-in to the standoff uh, event. Standoff. Standoff. And you know what? There's not an exclamation point there. No. But when we write it out for articles and stuff, there is an exclamation point. You need to put an exclamation point? Yeah. Okay. You know. The writer of this issue... <laughs> is Mark Guggenheim with art Guggen. by uh, Herman Peralta, color art by Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, this, uh, yeah, this issue ties into Standoff. You, you see a little bit more of what's going on on the Agents of Shield side. Uh, you last saw them in a New Avengers issue, about to to pair off against that team. So it's cool to see the the different team members fight one another. Um, Herman Peralta gets to draw. Uh, some cool fight stuff, and there's a, a nice moment between two characters that you wouldn't expect, Deathlock and Hawkeye. Um, I like the villain stuff going on in the event. Like mm-hmm. I like when individual villains get to banter back and forth a right. little bit. So you get some of that with some weird villains in this issue. That you well, that's part normally. of the coolness of Standoff is that you have pretty much all the Marvel villains on the table. Yeah. So whoever's writing the tie-in issues can just kind of pick and choose. Like, I want the Shocker. Yeah. Or I want Said Will, no Will one. the Beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Said one person. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's some revelations here too for the Agents of Shield series. Um, there's been this brewing thing where there's a there's a, a device that has information, like uh, information that's really valuable to the Agents of Shield uh, that could be dangerous in someone else's hands. And um, Wolverine, James Howlett, yeah, is is bidding on it. You don't know what's going on there. What's up? I miss Wolverine a bunch. I've talked about this before a little bit. Um, so you get some Wolverine stuff. I don't want to say what happened. Yeah, I don't know. When he when he passed away, I didn't care. Yeah. And then you took him for granted. I took him for granted. Yeah. He was in a bunch of stuff. And then now that I don't have him, I miss him. Mm. And that's it. That's why I got the tattoo on my chest <laughs> that I got. 
And uh, so, yeah, there's a little bit more about the mystery behind. There's a lot more about the mystery behind uh, what's going on with James Howlett in this book. Um, so check it out. Good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, let's talk about All New in Humans, number six, written by James Asmus, art by Andre Lima Orojo, who I always love seeing his stuff, and we get to see it more than once this week. Right. Colors by, I know, Colors by Andres Massa. Um, there's two things going on. Back at the storehouse where we discover where that is located in this issue, um, Gorgon and some of the new humans are trying to track down one of their rogue recruits. And then back in Jinchang, China, uh, Crystal and one member of the Chinese heroes have been taken over by this sky spear. So, I mean, Spider-Man has to lead the new humans against them, eventually against the collective man. Again, it's just pulling on the deep bench of Marvel characters. It, it, it's, it's something when Crystal is like the second biggest character <laughs> in a comic, but it's still a really fun comic. Uh, this comic has dealt a lot with, you know, diplomatic stuff the diplomatic mission. So it was kind of cool to see them get to just have a good old-fashioned fight issue. Uh, Andre Lima Rojo is the best. His figures are so unique. Uh, his action is so cool. It just came off Spider-Verse, I think, was the last thing he worked on. Yeah. And I always love seeing more of his stuff. He does a really cool thing with his panel layouts, too, where uh, he keeps everything within a border. Mm. Um, so all the panels have these borders. Except every once in a while, he'll do a full-page splash yeah. with, with no borders. So a lot of artists take that uh, technique for granted. So, like... He keeps everything in borders except for just establishing shots or, or a reveal shot, like the last page of the book. Um, so it's nice, clean storytelling that That's helps nice. the eye kind of like tell where you're going. But then sometimes we'll use it to affect. Yeah, I certainly a, didn't even notice that until splash, you just pointed yeah. it out. That's cool very stuff. cool. Yeah, he's smart yeah. about storytelling. And a cool character shows up at the end of the issue, too. A really random character. Uh, this is the book of random characters. All right, next up was All New X-Men number eight. This is written by Dennis Hopeless, mm -hmm. uh, guest artist Paco Diaz, and Rochelle Rosenberg on colors again. Rochelle colors a lot of books for us. Yeah, she right. does. In this issue, uh, Beast and the team are reeling after an attack on uh, Cyclops the previous issue. Beast is, has been building um, more and more um, anger at himself for not being able to help his team here in the future, a future he doesn't understand because they're all from the past. Yep. And so he goes after uh, a magic user um, to get some answers. And that magic user is Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, guys. Doctor Strange alert. Soon to be star of stage and screen. Stage and screen. Yeah. I'm sure they're making a play. Yeah. But did you, there's a new tra trailer too, right? Yeah, the new trailer just came out this week. If you guys haven't seen it yet, check it out. Some Tilda Swinton action. <laughs> About a second of Rachel McAdams, enough for my wife to go, hey, Rachel McAdams is in this movie? Yeah. And me to go, yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Read a book. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange has been <laughs> showing up in more and more stuff. Yeah. And, and it's cool to see him like handled well, like mm -hmm. evenly in all of his guest appearances. So this is a cool bit where he, like Doctor Strange gets to talk to uh, Beast a little bit about magic versus science. Um, Rochelle and Paco Diaz do this neat thing in this issue with the line art where um, Beast gets this Eye of Horus helmet that helps him see yeah. the world magically the way Doctor Strange Rochelle basically does. takes the page off. Yeah, she's just like, I'm going to put some pink on this it. side, and you can deal with the rest. It's like a black and white effect. It's very cool looking. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's really a conversation between Beast and Doctor Strange about the merits of magic versus science and kind of a pep talk to Beast saying, hey, man, 
You're yeah. gonna be all right. Yeah, he's gonna be all right. Um, Beast shows that there is a Doctor kind of Strange a, is a good like you know just kind of paternal guy yeah. to to get that vibe from. Right now that Reed Richards is off doing his thing, he is the only gray templed man left. That's a in, good point. Yeah, people go to him for advice a lot. Yeah, all new Wolverine. Yep, Beast probably kids down the street. Iron Man. Iron Man went talk to him at one point. Um, yeah, this is a cool issue. It's a, good, it's a good side issue from the main story. Good character building issue for Beast. Uh, next month, the Apocalypse War starts. Oh, my God. In this issue. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Still you, man. I'm next? Okay. You're next. Uh, up next is All New All Different Avengers. Another. Uh, this is issue eight. Another standoff. Standoff. Uh, this one's written by Mark Wade with art by Adam Kubert. Uh, pretty good team right there. Yeah, and color art by Sonia Obak is doing a great job. From the team that brought you Onslaught Marvel Universe. Is it true? Yeah. Did they do the... The end issue or the yeah, first they issue? Yeah, they did the end issue. Okay, that's where like where everyone went into onslaught. Yeah, I remember reading that in the end, like it's like a nice, powerful speech, and then kind of crying. I kind of wish that when we put this issue in previews and when it was solicited, we said from the team that brought you Mar- onslaught Marvel <laughs> Universe, <laughs> particularly because I think Mark would hate that. Yeah, <laughs> like really, or he's really, really proud of it and he wants people to talk about it. So yeah, all right. Well, Mark, if you're listening. And I know you're not. You're welcome. <laughs> this is a this is an important chapter of the standoff stuff, uh, the standoff storyline, not stuff. Um, a lot of characters that you've seen in uh, the backgrounds of other issues start kind of coming to the forefront here. You see all the different Avengers teams, Uncanny Avengers and all new, all different Avengers, uh, kind of reacting uh, to suddenly being uh, found by Rubik, or not Rubik, Kobik, Kobik, Rubik, Kobik, Rubik, Kobik. Um, the the uh, Rubik would be a great name. Personification of a. Um, Cosmic Cube, and uh, which so, you were confusing with the personification of a Rubik's cube. A Rubik's cube, yeah. which would be completely different. It's but that character is. Uh, is that character real? Does Marvel have a Rubik's cube no, character? No, it's another DC character. Jeez, I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> Mark Wade. Come on, <laughs> what are you doing? That's Mark's fault, right? Yeah. Uh, this issue, uh, Kobik finds the team. Uh, all the teams kind of hidden around. It attacks them. We literally see. I know. Spoiler alert! All the Avengers taken out yeah um we try not to do spoilers on this show but sometimes yeah. you just gotta you got another to. way around it i i think by beast is in this issue I, he could be i think i saw him in the background um so anyways because you're dealing with reality uh changing powers and and uh characters uh some stuff gets rewritten but it's still really powerful to see who uh steps up and saves the day for the team uh, it's a yeah. dark horse it's uh, true. character who steps up not from dark horse comics no but in terms of uh, no, this is a Marvel character, Marvel character who steps and saves the day. You're right. It's it, it was a it was a character who we've seen a lot of. They're certainly not an underutilized character, but in this context of being the one to kind of use not fighting but use heart to save the day, it reminded you how much heart this character has. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And watching Adam work is really fun because Adam's modern master of storytelling yep. stuff so him with uh, Mark Wade, um, you can't get a better superhero book so it's, it's, it's a lot of cool character moments too that are, that are panning out together here in issue 8 after uh, building up the last few issues so cool issue yeah Amazing Spider-Man number 10 continues Spider-Man's battle with Zodiac we've got Scorpio Rising part 2 written by Dan Slott penciled by Giuseppe Camuncoli, inks by Cam Smith, colors by Marte Gracia. Like I said, Spidey is in Mortal Kombat with Scorpio. They're fighting in the air. They're fighting on top of trains. This is a big action issue. We also get to see Gemini and some other members of Zodiac. I love Zodiac. 
I always thought they were a really cool idea. You know, the the Zodiac-themed villains. There's got to be 12. They're each neat. I like this idea of Scorpio be, being kind of the main mover and shaker, and we learn a lot about Scorpio in this issue, mm-hmm. and the others kind of just being whoever he decides to drag along with him. Uh, there's some cool interludes as well involving the rhino and the lizard and Electro setting up something big there. Yee! There is uh, the living brain is starting to act up more and more, and uh, I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but obviously you can, if you're paying attention, you can tell the personality of the living brain. This is what Dan Slott does so well, because yeah. he just takes... He, he's got this master plan in his head that no one else knows, and he's spooling stuff out over years and years. Because he's been on Amazing Spider-Man for like 15 years now. And not that long, right. but long. Like a little while. And he can just take subplots and kind of, you know, have them percolate here, but you know they're going to explode later. Um, but like I said, this is also just a chance to see Giuseppe draw some great action scenes, some great chase stuff, some great stuff that takes place like in a subway tunnel. Um, really cool. And Spider-Man's going to need some help if he's going to take out Zodiac because he is certainly outnumbered, so he calls on his allies, and we're going to see whose team is greater as Scorpio Rising continues. A little bit more Spider-Man before we move on. Amazing Spider-Man and Silk, the Spider-Fly Effect, number two. This was originally published as an infinite comic. This is the print version. It's written by Robbie Thompson. You got art by Todd Nock and Tom Grummet. This is basically like a Ben Morse Art Heroes issue. <laughs> um, it looks really good. It looks beautiful. Um, and, of course, if you want to read the full effect, you should definitely check out the Infinite comic. Spider-Man and Silk are both unhinged in time. They meet up with, of all people, Uncle Ben, who teams up with them against the Hydra. And it literally is like a Marvel team-up with Spider-Man and Uncle Ben. Yeah. Like, Uncle Ben is a man of action. He has some ideas on how to get some things done. He punches a Hydra goon in the face. This is, I would say the most active we've ever seen Uncle Ben. Because normally he's either telling Peter Parker... He also corrects Peter Parker on the uh, great with great power comes great responsibility line. And he says, oh, I actually, I actually say it, with the great power there must come a great responsibility. <laughs> which is the real way it goes. But, you know, because we're lazy, we say it the other way. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. This was actually a really fun comic. And if you're looking for Uncle Ben taking on Hydra, I don't think you're going to find a better example of it uh, ever. <laughs> Anywhere. Anywhere. There's nowhere else that is, This is the one. This yeah. is the book for you. Do you go next up, or do I'm I go up, next? Is up, it, next? This is a you book, right? I'm yeah. trying to cut the line. Yeah, no, I got it. Okay, I'm going I'm to back up. Yeah, just yeah. – we'll get there. All we'll, right, cool. We'll get there. I just couldn't wait. Oh, you, you're – oh, when you say you book, you mean the letter you. Yeah. I put it under your G. Yeah, that's what I, I don't – what do you think? I think it's a G. All right, we're going mean, to get to it. It's the same way – we don't usually we usually put Spider Gwen under S, even though it sometimes says radioactive. radioactive. But it's what do not you do, technically the title? But like if you for your, the collectors at home, yeah. what do you do for your long box? Do I'm going to be under, filing this under Gwenpool. You put Gwenpool under Gwenpool, yeah. not unbelievable. Guys, we're not at Gwenpool yet. Just so calm don't down. Get too excited. You're waiting we're for get it. To Gwenpool. Okay, but I put it under G. Okay, um, just because I, it's the same way. Let me put it this way. Here's my example. Yeah. Fantastic Four sometimes says world's greatest comic magazine on the top. Uh-huh. I don't put that under W. For world's not, greatest comic the name of the book. Got it. To me, the unbelievable is the same as world's greatest comic. Got it. Boom. Darth Vader number 19, written by Karen Gillan. Art by Salvador La Roca. Colors by Edgar Delgado. It's the conclusion to the shooter run war. 
Darth Vader is actually not even in a lot of this issue. It's mostly his mm-hmm. evil uh, droids. Yeah. Uh, he's he's in a battle with um, two people he thought was on his side, briefly, but it's mostly the droids getting things done, uh, helping the queen of Trios. Yeah, the queen of Trios. Yeah, I see it. Who, who uh, Darth Vader has established as basically, I put you in power, now you need to do what I want. Mm-hmm. She goes and is very aggressive. And between the three people I just mentioned, the droids, the queen, and Darth Vader, they put an end to this war that's been going on for issues. And they put some people in their place. They tell them what's what. Darth Vader reports back to the Emperor, says, yo, those people you sent as reinforcements tried to kill me. What up with that? What up with that? He's going to go and have a conversation with the Emperor next issue. That's what that's all about. But unfortunately, he has also uh, his uh, Inspector Thanos, who is not just Thanos with a lisp, <laughs> even though that's what I think every time, um, has gotten to the bottom of his relationship with Dr. Afra, And that ain't going to be good for old Darth. Darth, old Darth. Old Darth Vader. Uh, I'm still up. You're I still think, going. Yeah. I, don't, I was going to talk about Gwenpool, but I'm not we're, going to. We're building to Gwenpool. Yeah, get ready. Gwenpool is the big tease. Yeah, hold on to your teeth. Yeah. going to blow them out of your face. Gwenpool is coming, but not until we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, number seven, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Valerio Skeety, colors by Richard Eisenhoff. Beautiful colors. Beautiful art. Yeah. Valerio Skeety is so good at... Um, Aliens. Yeah, sure. I, I would say that's what I love most about Valerio Ski's art. In this issue, it's Rocket Raccoon and the Thing teaming up to take on the Badoon, and he gives the Badoon just this nasty looking. None of no two of them look alike. Yeah. They've all just got these messed up lizard faces. You know, in the past, you might see the Badoon was just basically like a like a normal person, but with scales and yeah. green skin. Now here they all get it. Um, like my mother-in-law, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. No. That's a hot take. I don't have a mother in law. I know you don't have a mother in law. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but we get like we get the thing coming down to this planet and they wanna save all the captives and Thing has to fight a giant Badoon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's unique, that's cool. But the really cool thing here is Thing gets some bone zone action. Yep. Or definitely implied bone zone action. I didn't know if you were gonna. I couldn't remember what the word was because Ryan would always say sure, that phrase. Sure, sure. And I don't. I was like, I don't know if that's gonna show up today. I was no, literally that's thinking the about that. Phrase that pays. I was like, is it Smush Town? No. What do they use? Smush Town is Smush Town is like a step. Uh, it, it's a stop on the train to oh, the bone zone. Okay. I would say Smush Town. Is. Okay. But you can use Smush Town. All right, I will. You use what you want to use. But yeah, no. There's this uh, beautiful alien woman who the thing falls for. And he wants to impress her, and the way to impress her is to just keep beating on the Badoon. I like the relationship between Thing and Rocket. Yes. Where Rocket's kind of like, dude, you're the coolest guy I've ever met. Yes. Oh, my God. He basically becomes like his hype man. Yeah. He's like, yeah, punch those guys. Oh, I'll say it's clever in time. I love it so much. So Rocket having fun with that. But this is a really good Ben Grimm spotlight issue. Bendis knows how to dialogue the dude. Yeah. little callback to the Guardians movie where Rocket was on Groot and they were spinning around blasting. That's right. I caught that. I think that's I think that's a callback. If it's not, it should be. I'm making it one. Make it. Um, yeah, and they get some bad news at the end of the issue after Thing has I don't know what happened. I don't know what that is. I don't know if I don't know if bone zoning took place. Basically they touch foreheads, uh, there's a glow, and then Thing's really happy. Yeah. So, you know, that's how it works, kids. But, yeah, they find out that uh, Star-Lord has been caught and sentenced to death, so they're going to have to go deal with that now. 
the the Eisenhoff colors you were saying one of the things he mm. does really well is that opening sequence is all red he does a great job mm. of uh, creating a sense of atmosphere for you so it feels warm yes. like really hot in this area and That's later true. on it feels like a desert yeah and then and then in the end when they go on the ship it, it completely changes colors it goes to yellows and blues and things yeah. so he does a great job of making you feel a certain thing for an environment but it's really also hard to pull off that red in the background that orange on the thing yeah um, and make him make it not look too similar so yeah Eisenhoff is one of the best it's great that's a great way to break it down. Thank you, Ricky. Yeah. And now, bum, 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 unbelievable Gwenpool, number one. Uh, this is written by Chris Hastings. Uh, with uh, part of the issue is drawn by Gurihiru, and part of the issue is drawn by Danilo Beiruth with Tamara Bonvillain on colors. Um, Danilo and Tamara worked on uh, the Gwenpool shorts when they were in the back of How, How the, the Duck. Duck. Yep. And so here they tell they tell a story of Gwenpool, who Jordan White, the editor of the book, explained yeah. this. She's not Gwen Stacy, who happens to be Deadpool. No. She's a she's a woman from the real world, our world. Yes. Uh, named Gwen Poole. I was about to say Earth Prime, but yeah, it's, it's not right. Right, who Mar- ends up? This is Marvel. This is Marvel Universe Prime. But it's but it's like the real like our world where you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Her name's Gwen Poole, and then the she world gets, outside your window. World outside your window. Yeah, and then she falls into a comic where she can do all this crazy crap, and she knows that she's in the yeah. comic, so she does all kinds of goofy stuff. And her actual first name is Gwen, and her last name is Poole, Poole. so that is her name. Yeah, yeah. the end. She, but also. Third level, she's got the same haircut as editor Heather Antos. Really? Blonde hair with pink tips. Oh, I, didn't know I she asked was. Heather, did you do that for the book? And she said yes. So she's weird. Wait, or, so hold on, hold on. Or are top you, fan. Are you saying that she did that after seeing it in the book? The book is not based on her? I think it happened the exact same day. That doesn't make any sense. It's like a crazy uh, coincidence. It's okay. insane. Okay. Um, anyways... In this uh, prelude uh, story at the front, we see Gwenpool team up with uh, a kid who she stops oh, from uh, robbing a bank. Um, things are going well for them. It's real funny. And they get away in a cop car after a cop lets them go. Yeah, it was very it was very much her starting to realize that, oh, okay, the laws of being a comic book character does not mean I can just do anything right. and everything's fine. Right. But then we kind of flash back or flash forward to her flash somewhere if we flash to a side with the guru hero uh section of the comic where she is now teamed up with the computer genius who she stopped from robbing the bank uh as they try to i think they were trying to steal something from a sentinel i think so and then uh Seems right she takes the goods to her her handler who uh sells the stuff for her she's looking for her next job there's the pink and blonde there hair that heather has um they get wind that hydra's up to no good so Usual. she goes after the the Hydra guys, even though it's way out of her league because it's going to pay a lot of money. There's a lot of fun sight gags yep. with Gwenpool. That's a good thing about this book. There are like a lot of jokes that you get in the pacing. Yep. Uh, so it's a really fun book that way. Sight gags, great for comics, not so great for podcasts. Not great for podcasts. No. I got a haircut for this podcast. I they saw. Told me, you look beautiful. Hey, we're not filming this. And I was like, well, maybe in the future. You don't know. Yeah. Technology is getting further ahead yeah. with old files than we remembered. That's true. Or than we anticipated. So That's maybe true. When, we may be able to you'll see this some, yeah, see, haircut. For, for those of you who see this in 20 years. This is what I look like today. Yeah. Uh, she goes after the Hydra guy. She fights some squid dudes. And a pretty funny uh, sequence of like terrible action on Gwenpool's part. She's not very good at this. <laughs> and uh, she comes up against someone in a really comedic way. Again, I don't want to ruin it for you. It's just really, it's just really funny, genuinely funny 
uh, sight gags. I, mm-hmm. I laughed out loud like two or three times on the train by myself. Um, and in the end, uh, she comes up against a new bad guy who might be her arch nemesis. Oh, that'd be cool. I don't want to say if it is or not, but I don't want to say the name of the person who shows up either. Good. But something really terrible happens after that. Yeah, and, and it, that was the moment I was yeah. referring to where she's like, oh, I guess I can't just get away with everything. It's not all gags. It's not all fun and games, Gwen. There are stakes. Yeah. Uh, People get hurt. So yeah, this is a, this is a fun book. You check it out. Yeah. Over to Hercules number six. This is the final issue of Hercules. It's written by Dan Abnett, art by Goran Suzuka and Dalibor Talajik. Dalibor Talajik is another guy who's pulling double duty this week. Yeah. Colors by Guru EFX. Um, After the war with the new I mean they are the new gods, new gods. I guess that's yeah. the only way to the phrase them yeah. yeah the new gods um, Hercules and Ayer and Gilgamesh and Hercules landlady are all <laughs> gathering up to kind of celebrate and the whole thing is it, oh and the, the blind muse who they have here too um, whose name escapes me Morton 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 Downey Junior, um, yeah, uh, Hercules has been injured, and he's debating whether or not to have a glass of wine. You know, down to earth, something we can all relate to. But it turns into this bigger thing where he wants to have a glass of wine with dinner because he just saved the world. Right. And his landlady is saying, "No, he cannot drink. He cannot drink at all. That's what led him down this path to being a stumble bum." And just being, you know, generally not respected. And she starts arguing with Gilgamesh. And Hercules basically says, I'm going to the roof. And he texts Tony Stark, Iron Man, to have a conversation with him about drinking. Yeah. And whether or not you can have just one drink and be okay. And Iron Man gets real, real with him. He does not front at all. He says, look, you have made some mistakes. You have made some poor choices. And a lot of people don't respect you, so think about what you're doing here. You feel really bad for Hercules, um, but not always as it seems with Iron Man. And this is now going to lead into Civil War II, Gods of War, written by Dan Abnett, still starring Hercules. So Hercules, who's one of my favorite characters, still has a journey to take uh, in the in the course of Civil War II. Yep, yep. Other cool characters emerge in Illuminati number six, which is written by Joshua Williamson. Great art by Mike Henderson. Yeah. uh, And powerful colors by John Rauch. Um, This is another standoff tie-in. We had a lot of them this week. You spot that puppy on the cover? Let me see that puppy. Yeah. Whose puppy is it? That's Zelda, the puppy of uh, book editor Katie Kubert. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Big-eared Zelda. This this is basically an absorbing man spotlight issue. Yeah, um, this is kind of a snapshot of what's happening with a lot of the villains in Pleasant Hill in the standoff story. Finding out um, who they were, we kind of had a similar thing in Howling Commandos with yeah. Orgo, where he was some family's dog. Right. And um, but this is a neat story. Joshua Williamson tees up the first half is just this guy Harold, this nice dude who works at I think it's an ice cream parlor. Malt shop. Malt shop of some sort. And he's just telling this teenage kid about an interaction he had with the town sheriff and you know, they just had a dance and it's all so nice and then just boom, out of nowhere they're absorbing man and whirlwind. Yeah. 
the whole time. It was it was so abrupt, and them realizing like the advantage of been taken out. And this is where it starts to be like, okay, these aren't just villains; these are people who basically had their lives co-opted, yeah, and were not allowed to be who they wanted to be. Um, Electra gets involved, and I don't want to reveal how Electra gets involved because it's really clever, it's really unique, and I really enjoyed it. This issue really made me feel for Absorbing Man. There's this great double page that is. No words, all just back and forth between the life of Absorbing Man and the life of Harold and how they contrast. And you can't help but feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Uh, the Illuminati come in and extract him. Now he's got to deal with uh, Titania, his wife, and having some really complex feelings about another woman. Um, again, I don't want to get too into it. I think this is a book really well worth reading. Um, I really like this issue. Yeah. And I thought that it was a great use of standoff. I thought it was really well drawn. I thought it was really well written. And I thought it took some characters who are not necessarily A-list and elevated them. Yeah, there was like there are some like side questions from the Assault on Pleasant Hill storyline that mm-hmm. they don't really address directly in the main series. Like, is it right or wrong for them to do this? Yeah, is it, that's like, how does that impact people like who are actually getting impacted? And I think this issue really kind of goes into one yeah. of those major points. Agreed. There's some real moral questions that need to be asked in regards to uh, the Pleasant Hill deal. And between between Illuminati and Hercules and even Gwimple, I think there's a lot of surprise mm-hmm. emotion in these books. Very much so. Um, that, that, that that grounds them and, and makes them real for readers. So it's, it's, a fun, it's a fun week for that. Absolutely. It's also a fun week for Mockingbird number two. Uh-huh. Written by Chelsea Kane, art by Kate... N- Do you know how to pronounce this last name? Nicemic. Nicemic. Yeah. Colors by our favorite Rochelle Rosenberg. Yeah. And this features not the first appearance, but probably the first significant appearance of Lance Hunter in the Marvel Comics universe. Of course, we've seen him in the. He's from. Universe. He's from television. Yes, we've seen him on Marvel's Agents of Shield. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, he was in the Mockingbird one shot briefly, mm-hmm. but here it's a full-on team up with the Hellfire Club. Um, and Hunter and Bobby are trying to get... Well, Hunter's gone undercover in a terrible way. He has now basically become in this Hellfire Club, which is very, very, very sadomasochistic. Yeah. It's like it's like the, it's like everything you thought about the Hellfire Club right. dialed up to 11. Yeah. With people dressed like horses and ball <laughs> gags. And this isn't an easy book to read on the train. Not an easy book to read on the train yep. by any means. But no. I did it anyways. Yeah, no. And you shouldn't be judged for that. Say something. But <laughs> if you see something. Say something. That kid's uh, reading a weird book. Yeah, but uh, I love the way Chelsea Kane writes Mockingbird. She's so fun. She's so confident. She's so quippy. It's not something I would have thought of associating with Mockingbird. She's really got a huge personality here. Her rapport with Hunter is a lot of fun. He's a cool character. Um just little sight gags like how to kick in a door. This is one of the most fun books I'm reading, but at the same time, it's also got a great adventure feel. There's some real mysteries about Mockingbird's powers. So this book's got it all. Uh, it's a real smorgasbord of delights, a buffet of comic goodness, mm. if you will. And, and Kate, I always will. The, uh, the artist Kate was mm. at a convention in Poland, I believe, uh, late 2015. C.B. Sabolski saw her portfolio, sent over her samples. She got two cover gigs, and then all of a sudden she was on an ongoing series. So it's just that easy. That's how it happens. Yeah, just meet with uh, Marvel talent people. In Poland. In Poland. Yeah. Go to Poland first. Go to Poland, establish yourself there, yeah. and then, you know, <clears throat> pick it up from there. 
Uh, the next issue uh, is Moon Knight number one. <laughs> this was heavy. Written by Jeff Lemire. Heavy art, art stuff. by Greg Smallwood. Color art by Jordi Belair. It's literally heavy too. It's a larger book. Yeah, it's, it's it a is. A, it is. A, it's a hefty book. Yeah, this book's been in the works for a while. Um, is it, it, uh, it, uh, if anyone knows anything about Moon Knight. Uh, potentially crazy. He's got multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. He's thought he's a, uh, a millionaire before and Spider-Man and all kinds of stuff going on yep. with his brains. Uh, and the issue opens with a, a nice kind of dream sequence that I think pays homage to the Dennis Cowan, Bill Sienkiewicz kind of era yeah, of art styles. Sure. And then um, after the uh, after the dream sequence snaps back to Greg Smallwood's regular graphic style, which to me reminds me a lot of like Dave Johnson's mm-hmm. kind of start covers with uh, bold yep. line choices and like basic color choices um, but yeah uh, so we get Mark Spector secretly known as Moon Knight or is it is his identity public? I don't know that's it, a great question we, we know it yeah, we know literally it. in this room those of us who read the book I'm not sure if Lexi knew it nope oh, she did not she know it. so that was a secret spoiler you just outed Moon Knight to Lexi sorry Moon Knight <laughs> well, Mark, Mark Spector is Moon Knight he find, we open in, uh, uh, inexplicably in a uh, mental institute uh, of some kind, um, cool layouts, really cool layouts from uh, from Greg Smallwood. Uh, I think page five is an exclamation point in the panel layouts yeah. um, as Juice gets shot into his brain and he's uh, he has electrotherapy. Uh, he wakes up in a a, a gross uh, a psychiatric ward mm-hmm. with people who may or may not be familiar to him from his past. So you don't know what's going on. It's important to point out that this is not a accurate depiction of modern day psychiatric wards. Are you Sure. Before, before I am sure I haven't been before we get uh, before we get people coming down on us for it. Um, it does. It seems like a, a horror movies yeah, depiction. Exactly. Of it. Yeah. Like a like a like gross walls. People aren't uh, taken care yeah. of. Like like um, the nurses are beating yeah. on you and stuff. Because yeah. if my buddy Tim Stevens is listening and he is a therapist, I don't need him coming and telling me like, "Hey, that's not how it is. Do it right. Do it right, Marvel." Uh, yeah, this is an exaggeration. Um, and on purpose, I think it's supposed to throw you off. Sure. Like things aren't what they seem, kind of. And from as as Mark Spector moves through the the ward again, he starts uh, believing some things are from his past and some things aren't. He doesn't know why he's here or how he got here. And he gets some news from a psychiatrist saying, "Hey, uh, you've been in this ward your entire life. You think you're a Moon Knight, but out Nuts. out in the real world, there is a Moon Knight who's who's uh, taken back the streets. Yeah. But you're not him. You're not him because you've been here the whole time. Uh, but Mark." Doesn't believe it, and he uh, he tries to make a run for it. Um, some weird stuff happens. I don't want to I don't want to ruin anything, but really cool graphic uh, representation of a scuffle and um, and Mark Spector's attempt at escape. Um, and some there's a there's a pretty crazy reveal at the end, um, kind of a setup that will definitely make you go, man. I can't wait for the next issue to find out what else is going on. I can't wait for the next issue to find out what's going on. Who who edits this book? Uh, this book is Jake Thomas. Should we just go shake him down? Yeah, find out what's happening. Find out what thing. is going on in Moon Knight. Yeah, it's it's long awaited. Because after the last run by Warren Ellis and um, and uh, well, Jordy was on it for col- as colorist the whole time, but Declan Shalvey Declan opened Shalvey, up that arc. Yeah. Um, people have been looking forward to like a cool graphic, uh, weird superhero story, a cerebral story. That's what they're getting out of this. You got it right here. Cool. You're up. Next up is is one of my favorite, genuinely one of my favorite Marvel books, oh, Red, nice. Red Wolf number five. Um, this is written by Nathan Edmondson, uh, art by Dal Bortalajek. Like Ben said, his second book this week. Uh, inks by Jose Marzan Jr. and colors by Miroslav Mirva. Um, this book has been like a real quiet, uh, like like not like not a modern noir, no. but a, a modern crime story. Um, Red Wolf is has found himself in the present day. He's tracking down a lead. 
Um, Dalibor is great at uh, doing texture in his art, so he really lays out this uh, this area um, that Red Wolf finds himself in as he's tracking down these two criminals. Um, cover artist um, Jeffrey Varege has, is, a, is a Native American himself, so he was a consultant on the book to help uh, with a few elements, sort of storytelling elements. Um, and so we get a little bit more about the stuff that's embroiling the town, like politics, some stuff that's going on with one of the deputies. Um, Red Wolf and the deputy track down uh, two bad guys to their trailer. Uh, Red Wolf using his uh, his uh, in, innate abilities, he's not super powered or anything, um, takes out these dudes. He's a real man's man. Yeah. And uh, takes out the bad guys. I would shake his hand if I met him. I don't, I don't know if I would. Maybe I would. I would. Whoa, whoa, yeah, that whoa, was disrespectful. Whoa. That was disrespectful. Hot take. Hot, Hot take, take you know right what? there. I won't shake your hand, sir. Take it away from me. Yeah. Uh, but the issue is really beautiful, and, and I'm 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 undercutting uh, how how much work Miroslav and um, Dalbor and Jose put into the book, textures and environment and um, tone. But it, it's a it's a really beautiful story, and in the end, we kind of flash back to some of the sci-fi elements that started the book off. Um, so I won't give that away. But uh, yeah, I think this is a really fun, solid read. So, Red Wolf. Up next, Rocket, again. Rocket and Groot number four. Oh my gosh. Yeah, written by Scotty Young, art by Aaron Conley, color art by Jean Francois Boulet. Um, I think this is the first issue. We've been saying it wrong all the time. We always say Belly. Belly? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll email JF. Yeah, please. How exactly do we, we say need, it? We need to know. Yeah. The, this issue, I think, is the start of. Scotty working with hand-picked artists oh, cool. uh, doing pretty much one-and-done stories starring Rocket and Groot. Um, this issue's artist, Aaron Connolly, he did a couple things for us in, um, in uh, Secret Wars Battle World. Uh, he's known for doing the Sabretooth Swordsman, a mm. beautiful book, um, really uh, articulate um, line work. And that you get that here. Uh, and Jean-Francois does a, a lot of heavy lifting with, with color to make different stuff pop, but this book is, it reads like a kid is telling you the story. Like you could put this down on your floor and just sit with a kid and, and read through it. It's also good for adults. But basically, uh, we're in the middle of a and d game that we find out is being played by the Avengers, a big group of the Avengers, including Betty Ray Bill, hmm. who I like to imagine sitting and playing D&D. Yeah, uh, just during any time. Tony Stark's being a real jerk. Real not, jerk. Not playing by the rules. Mm -hmm. uh, Rocket's getting pretty angry because he's the wizard, uh, the main D&D master. The dungeon master. Dungeon master. And everyone's like, all right, screw this. We're getting out of here. I don't want to play this game. Um, but it's all in, all in good fun. Tony says, I got to go play fantasy football. Rocket's like, that game is dumb. <laughs> Your friends are dumb. And he's like, why? Tony's like, I, 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 I dare you to come play my game with me. So he and Rocket take a spaceship to go play space fantasy football. And it turns out that it's literally a game of space football with all these uh, really crazy character designs from Aaron. Uh, all these football all these football players in different monster forms and stuff. I want a poster of it. Yeah. It's two-page splash. It's, it's really good. Um, so anyways, the they, they meet the coach. The coach is a real crazy person, too. Also really funny and, and uh, kind of nonsensical. Uh, Groot's really funny in the book. They play the football game in space. Uh, lots of great gags and, and, and really exactly what Scotty likes in comics and does well in comics. Um, the book ends with a surprise upset in the game hmm. uh, using possibly Satan. I don't know what this character is, but he's there. Who can we speak? We can't speak for him. Yeah, I don't know who Satan is. And then um, in the end, Tony loses and has to... Well, I don't want to say what happens, what Tony's, what the stakes are, but uh, Tony has to do something. High stakes. Um, but it's a fun it's a fun book. Yeah. Rock and Groot's a fun book. Very fun. Also fun, Silver Surfer, issue number three, 
written by Dan Slott, art by Michael Allred, colors by Laura Allred. This is the big 50th anniversary Woo! of Silver Surfer. Congratulations, Norrin Rad. We did it. You got this far, and boy, does Dan Slott have a big story planned for it. He actually told me about this story months ago because he just comes up with these things in his head and can't sit on them. So basically... Once upon a time, Silver Surfer sacrificed himself to save the world of Zen La, his homeland, uh, his homeworld. And now his love, Shalabal, has come with the power of Zen La saying, hey, you know what we're doing? We're making every world into Zen La. So great news. Uh, you know, you, you were so frustrated with the Earthlings and that we're going to make everywhere a technological paradise. She's enslaved the thing to be her herald. Uh, Alicia Masters and Don Greenwood are teaming up despite being kind of Don's, Don's a little like who is this blind girl who has this history with my man. Yeah. And she's a little upset about that, but they're still there to help out. And some people want to undergo this transformation that the Zen lobbyists are offering. They get to be, you know, happy. This guy who couldn't walk gets to walk, and he gets a cool bald head and a nice skirt, mm -hmm. little mini skirt outfit. Yeah. Uh, the Avengers show up, and they get transformed into Zen law versions of uh, themselves. The thing eventually comes around, so we've got Surfer, Thing, Alicia, Dawn against all of Zen Law, plus the Avengers, plus some other characters. Lockjaw appearance. Lockjaw appearance. Lockjaw by Mike Allred appearance. Uh, and eventually the Surfer has no choice but to do the most drastic possible thing he can do. And it's basically, it's an inversion of his purpose. This totally... Like, Dan told me how big this was, and there's really no understanding. What Silver Surfer does in order to save Earth is a fundamental change in the character. Yeah. Because the character has always been based around certain fundamental truths, and one of those is no longer the case. It's a beautiful book. It's a powerful book. And these guys, are, and ladies, uh, Laura on the color is killing it. Yeah. They're just doing a tremendous job up and down. Silver Surfer is one of the best books out there right now. Well, there was a there was a there was a single page splash early on. I know this book reads like a Jack Kirby Stanley book. Yeah. Um both like with the kind of crazy stakes but also the bombastic language. Mm. There's this like single page splash. Is that from something somewhere? I feel like it must be. It's like Silver Surfer yelling up like I stand with Earth. It's either if if it's not it's just a beautiful standalone thing but yeah. it even says here it says a tale of triumph and tragedy 50 fantastic years in the making yeah i feel like this is an homage to something something yeah but if neither of us know it then it doesn't how exist impo how important could it possibly be <laughs> uh, uh. am i next yeah you're up oh spider gwen I like that. Uh. spider gwen number seven uh, this is part two of the Spider-Woman crossover written oh, by... I love the Spider-Woman crossover, yeah. man. This Rit is so much fun. Written by Jason Latour. It flows so nicely. Yeah. Art by artist Bengal. Line art by Bengal. And color art by Rico Renzi, regular cover artist. Now, Bengal is one word. Bengal is one word. His name is not Ben Gal. Gal. Yeah. yeah. That'd be weird. Um, I used to think it was, and it's not. No. It's just like the tiger. Yeah. Is, it, is that right? Yeah, tiger. Okay. Um, this is just, this, the art's really interesting. I love Bengal. He's one of my favorite uh, artists today. Um, he normally colors himself with uh, like depth of richness uh, in his colors, different brightnesses and things um, to pull out the depths. But this issue is colored by Rico Renzi, the regular cover, color artist in the series. And so things are a little bit more flat. Mm. Stuff is rendered, but not too flat. Um, and so it looks a lot, all the blacks in Bengal's art, the cross hatching and inks pop out a lot more. So it reminds me a lot of um, Jason Pearson's art mm, or Michael Golden's art from the 90s. Um, but, anyways, 
Spider-Woman, Silk, and Spider-Woman slash Spider-Gwen um, find themselves stuck in Spider-Gwen's uh, reality, and someone has stolen their, their means to get home. Uh, so they travel around trying to figure out new means to get home. While they're at a bodega looking for cell phones to try to contact someone, Silk is looking at all the different magazines from this world. She mm-hmm. sees like cameos from different regular Marvel U characters like She-Hulk and uh, the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Um, in the magazine so it's kind of fun uh, uh, Marvel continuity stuff yep um, then uh, Silk uh, decides I want to look up I'm going to check out my family here on earth on this earth as we found out in the last issue of this crossover Silk on this earth is a bad guy probably yeah it's a bad guy bad news um, so she's yeah. gonna, so we know she's going to look for her family that means she's going to get some probably bad news too when she does that uh, meanwhile Spider Gwen takes Spider-Woman to her, her pad. They meet her roommates. They're all rock girls, uh, sassy, uh, kind of messy and gross. Um, there's like a pizza box with a corn dog in it. Um, that's how women live. Yeah, when left alone. Is this true, Lexi? No, complete lies. Oh, all right. Sorry. I don't believe it. You, should, you have to send us photos of your apartment now. Yeah, please. Uh, so Spider-Woman feels bad for Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen hasn't really been able to live her own life. So Spider-Woman's like, I'm going to go look for some clues myself. She looks up that world's uh, Franklin Richards. Reed Richards. Reed Richards, I'm sorry. No, happens cool. happens to be a young kid. Uh, and so when she starts Already to tell him. Already graying at the temples, though. That's Already. How you, that's, that's, too how bad. You, that's how you can tell he's Reed Richards. He's got a flat top and he's graying. Mm-hmm. Uh, she starts to tell him, like, I need help getting home. Ah, oh, never mind. You know what? And and he's like, hey, lady, I'm Reed Richards. I've dealt with this kind of stuff yeah, before. I know what you need. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm super smart. But before they can act, they get attacked. Uh, Spider-Gwen shows up. Psych, I wasn't uh, laying low. I was gonna. I was following you. I was going to help you when you needed me. Uh, they do some teamwork. Uh, Spider-Woman meets up with Spider-Gwen's dad. They talk a little bit about responsibility. That's probably my favorite part of the whole issue yeah, is yeah. the conversation between Jessica Drew and Captain Stacy. It's yep. just two adults who are in over their heads talking and I don't I don't know what it is about the conversation but I loved it yeah they talk about the stakes like like Silk has to deal with all these different or Spider-Woman has to deal with all these different kinds of problems in her life and, and what it takes to be a hero and whether or not you should do it and yeah. uh, Captain Stacy is dealing with whether or not he wants his daughter to do it and Latour does a great job of boiling it all down into just a simple conversation between people. It felt people. very genuine. Yeah. That's what I liked about it, I think. Yeah, a different understanding of the situations that they find themselves in. Meanwhile, Silk Meanwhile. is off looking up something. She followed the addresses that she was looking for before, discovers uh, uh, some someone, a, a new target for them yeah. to lead up next. A link to the bad guys. And we're going to find out what happens next in Silk number seven, uh, part three of the crossover. Very cool issue. Yeah. You got one more. Now for Spidey number four, uh, written <laughs> by Robbie Thompson, art by Andrea Rajo, uh, second book of the week. Yep. Uh, colored Good by Sh- Rochelle Rosenberg, who had, I think, 25 books this yeah, week. Yeah, something like that. Um, continuing 25 this, of the 50 books we read. Yeah. Continuing the series uh, one and done uh, uh, story style, uh, this issue finds Peter saying, you know what? I need a day off. And he goes to what looks like the Marvel Universe version of the Guggenheim Museum mm-hmm. and finds that someone's stealing paintings. Turns out that guy is Dr. Doom the with a hipster hoodie on. Looks pretty cool. Amazing. They fight all over the museum, this cool layout that Andre does. Again, cool splash pages after just gutters. He knows how to kind of build up the, in, the anticipation for action in a story. He doesn't cut corners either. He draws all of a figure mm-hmm. every, every time when he can. So he pulls way, way back so you get a feeling of the environment. 
Uh, it turns out this is all a ruse, possibly. Um, this Doom is actually a Doom bot. So Spidey follows the trail of uh, Smoke. Again, this is his day off. Yeah. And he this is what he fight. does on his day off. Yeah, yeah. You know what I do on my day off? What? I sleep. Yeah, a lot of sleep. And then I try But then, you know what? It's 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 not that unusual that you end up running a bunch of errands on your day off. Because sure. you're like, oh, I have time. Sure. But do you go to the New York power plant to face off against Dr. Doom in your day just, off? Just no, Spidey once. does. Just you did one time? Just that one, time. one time. I, once was enough. There's a blackout. Spidey figures that's where Doom is. He runs to the electric station. Doom is there. Doom and Spidey have a moment about how alone it can be, or lonely it can oh, be yeah. to be a superhero. It's kind of a nice That moment. was very emo. Then a bunch of Doom bots show up, blast Spidey literally out of the building. Cool double page splash where Spidey falls through a whole building. <laughs> uh, you can see everybody's reactions to him falling through the building. Again, this is the kind of thing that only Andre's doing nowadays, so it's really yeah. fun to watch. Um, Spidey finds himself laying in a park, gets a pep talk. Really nice moment between him and a kid who's a yep. Spidey fan. Oh, that was cool. Um, the kid's like, yay, man. Maybe you can turn off his robots. And Spidey's like, yeah, man, you know what? You're pretty cool. Uh, they trade masks because the kid has yep. a Spidey mask. Didn't see the point of that. Nope. Spidey puts the mask on. Pretty gross, actually. Into action. Uh, takes out all the Doom bots. Takes out the machine because he realizes I can turn off the robots. Uh, spoiler. I'm not going to spoil the end, but uh, it turns out there was another thing going on the whole time. Of course there was. Um, but it's a cool like one-shot. You can literally pick up any issue of this in their, their standalone stories. So it's a fun book. Speaking of one-shots, Star Wars C-3PO Special Number 1 was written by James Robinson, art by Tony Harris. These guys have had some legendary collaborations in the past, coming back for this one-shot story about C-3PO. And it's a really cool story. It's uh, C-3PO and a bunch of other droids trapped on a planet. Uh, they need to get to the other side of the planet in order to send a frequency or whatever to you know come rescue us. And there's all these problems, and there's all these rogue elements on the planet. And basically... Each of the robots ends up getting taken out one by one, sacrificing themselves so that the other robots can live. See three PO and this and this other robot who is supposed to be their enemy are having this kind of debate the whole time about the nature of droids and if their memory gets wiped, uh, does that make them a whole new person? Can they really be on someone's side when they can be programmed stuff? Some pretty heavy stuff worn worn into a pretty nice little Star Wars story that uh, takes place one and done. Mm-hmm. Not one and done is Web Warriors number six, which is written by Mike Costa, pencils by David Valdeon. You got inks from Walden Wong, Terry Pallet, and Scott Hanna. Colors from Matt Yaki and some newcomer named Rachel Rosenberg. Um, <laughs> no, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Rachel, what are you doing? This is told from the perspective of Spider-Man Noir. This is kind of a postscript epilogue from the first mission that didn't go so well against all the Electros. We see the new makeup of the Web Warriors team. We go to Spider-Man India's world where a bunch of Venom demons, this was a pretty cool idea, yeah. are storming the streets. Um, and we get some flashbacks to... Spider-Man Noir as a kid, how he grew up, how his Peter Parker childhood was different from the Peter Parker childhood we know. They got to try to save Spider-Man India's world, but they're a little bit down in the fact that they don't have Spider-UK, they don't have Mayday Spider-Woman. So these guys got to step up and problem solve and find a way to get rid of these demons and find a way to get back to the Loom world. And it's all very interesting stuff. Um, we get the get an update on some other characters towards the end. We see that Spider-Man Noir is more going on than initially meets the eyes. And next month, we're going to see Spider-Punk. 
this this book also has Julian Tedesco yep. on uh, covers. covers. Tedesco is doing incredible work. Like at, when it's on the stands next to other books, it really yeah, stands out for sure. But they're also just really creative with with like straightforward ideas, but like little cute things. Like this cover yep. has Marvel Universe balloons with Daredevil. Yep. I want a Daredevil balloon. Yeah, who wouldn't? But yeah, they're really they're really cute books. Just a Daredevil balloon. It's got horns Daredevil on balloon it. does look cool. Yeah. It's got horns and a little DD. Can you imagine a Daredevil balloon floating past you like your fifth floor window? Terrifying. Yep. Next up is Weird World number five. This is written by Sam Humphreys with art by Mike Del Mundo. Uh, Del Mundo does the cover too. Mike does great, great uh, representational covers as well. Um, so this issue sees uh, our our two main girls meeting up with uh, the queen, uh, the queen of the swamp, yeah, Jennifer swamp, Kale. swamp queen. Swamp queen. What's Jennifer Kale's situation in the Marvel U normally? Her situation in the Marvel universe normally is she is a witch, okay, who is often seen helping out Man Thing. Oh, okay. So they have a connection. They do. That makes sense. Yep. Okay. Well, she, so she's like a good witch to Morgan Le Fay's bad witch. Right. Morgan Le Fay is the, is the bad uh, queen on Weird World. There's a war brewing. Um, I mean, and that's all probably a matter of perspective, though. Yeah, I'm sure. Morgan Le Fay would tell you that she's the good witch. Yeah. I bet she's like, I'm just trying to save my sister. Yeah. Help me save her. Yeah. Um, Morgan's got her molten men on one side. Um, Kale has all of her... Uh, Various forces on the other. It's made up of of uh, not just man things, but a bunch of like disenchanted weird world inhabitants. So they're going to war, and in between, um, uh, our main protagonist just wants to get home. Um, this issue is cool because it kind of sets the stage. Like there there are a couple of shots fired from across uh, the battle lines. The, the war kind of starts to pick up a little bit in the middle of the issue. Um, we see uh, one last. Um, effort by uh, Goletta and, and Becca to get over to the Fang Mountains so they can try to get home. Um, and in the middle of that, obviously things fall apart. Megan or Morgan uh, faces off against Becca. Uh, Becca shows her heroic side. She's just this, this girl who finds herself in this uh, crazy situation. Really nuts art. A small town girl. <laughs> really nuts art from Del Mundo. Trying to make it in the world. Sh- showing this great uh, fight between the two of them. Every issue has these cute little things I show yeah. my girlfriend. Like there's this little like snowbird with little wings and little 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 face um, at the end of the book. Um, but in the end, uh, things look really dire for the for the main characters. Uh, real crazy cliffhanger. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the, the next issue. Yeah, things probably are not going to turn out well for them. Do you think they're going to kill? I think everybody. I think this could be a full-on disaster, oh, and no. everyone needs to buy the book to prevent oh, it from no. happening. Um, finally, this week, last but certainly not least, X Men ninety-two number two, written by Chris Sims and Chad Bowers, art by Alti Fermancia, colors by Matt Miller, who's also been pretty busy this week. Yeah, what a joy! I mean, I I I kind of want to talk to you know a younger person who is picking up this book. You're young. A younger than me person who's picking up this book and doesn't have the frame of reference of the X-Men in the 90s right. and doesn't have just the sheer joy of seeing cameos from Generation X right. or watching Wolverine and Bishop go at it or the idea that vampires are taking on these characters or the upstarts or all of this stuff. Like, would they, Did they still enjoy this book just on its own? Um, I hope so because it's fun as hell. Yeah. Um, and But they... Chad and Chris have really done a great job of aping 90s-style storytelling. We see people doing art like that all the time. We'll see, you know, someone like Scott Cobblish drawing a 
quote unquote '90s style. Right. But to write in the '90s style is actually quite an accomplishment, yeah. and uh, LT Fermencia keeps up on her end too. So we've got the upstarts. We've got Fenris unleashing uh, Alpha Red, mm-hmm. who is the it's kind of it's kind of brilliant because you figure if there's an omega red, of course there was an alpha red, right? Who's just this Russian vampire? Um, is that is that from the cartoon? It's alpha red does, does not exist. It's a new character. Okay, okay. Um, they fought omega red all the time in the cartoon, but not alpha. Okay, but not alpha red. So alpha Maverick. red's a new idea. Mavericks in there. Uh, the Soviet super soldiers are in there. They got got turned into vampires. Other people are getting turned into vampires. Storm, who is the new team leader, has a plan which involves the most famous of vampires. More, it, all the cameos are basically Generation X or the Ecstatics. Getting to see the Ecstatics as part of this is just another cool, neat little thing. Yeah, they're having fun. Uh, it's just a good time. You can tell the creators are having a blast making this book, and it's it's fun to read as a result. All right, we made it. We survived. Ricky, you know that this part of the the process is you know the toughest. You got to pick your twim of the week. I uh, your, top, your top marks. I'm big into Moon Knight and mm-hmm. Gwenpool. I think I think Gwenpool pulls ahead just a, a mm. little bit, but I both, both those strong books are great. Yeah, and there are other great books this week. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read the next, yeah. next issues. Uh, I'm big on Silver Surfer. I think that anniversary yes. issue was excellent. Yes, uh, but my sleeper pick is Illuminati. Oh. Illuminati okay. was all sorts of fun this okay. week. It was uh, it was it had some depth to it. Yeah. Had some nuance. It was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lexi, what do you think? Um, I'm interested in Moonlight. I like Moon the, Knight. Yeah, I like the story. All right. Yeah, good, good. So make sure you guys get out buy all the comics that came out this week. It will be your allowance uh, times 20. Do people still do people get an allowance? I get an allowance. Go, yeah. Well, I give you your allowance. Yeah. Um, and I spend all four of those dollars each week on important things. <laughs> Ricky, thank you so much for joining for the uh, podcast. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have you back again soon. Yeah. We might have to have you back again soon. I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. Okay, collections on sale. We've got Captain America Dark Designs Pro's hardcover. Very cool new edition. Captain America Epic Collection Man Without a Country. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 Emperor Quill. Marvel Masterworks Captain America Volume 8, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Spider-Verse Digest, Marvel's Captain America Civil War Prelude, Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos, Thanos The Infinity Finale, that's an original graphic novel out in hardcover, and Uncanny Avengers Volume 1 Unity. Additionally, freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited, we have A-Force number 5, Captain America Sam Wilson number 1, Captain America White number 3, Chewbacca number 1, Civil War number 5, Deadpool vs. Thanos number 3, Doctor Strange from 1974, 13 through 22, as well as 68 through 74, Doctor Strange Season 1 number 1, Fantastic Four number 379, Fantastic Four Annual number 12, FF50 Fantastic Years number 1, Thin Fang 4 Return number 1, Free Comic Book Day 2007 Marvel Adventures number 1, Giant Size Dracula number 4, Guardians of the Galaxy number 1, the latest volume, Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens Shattered Empire number 3, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble Season 2 number 12, Marvel Zombies number 4, Miss Marvel number 19, Spider Island number 5, Star Wars number 10, and What If Infinity and Humans number 1, as well as What If Infinity Thanos number 1. Now, let's get some news. And now, from Marvel headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News! 
Some news. What kind of news do we got for you guys? Well, over in comics, we're continuing to expand Civil War II. It's got a lot of cool tie-ins that you're going to start reading about on Marvel.com very soon. But two of the first ones are going to be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain Marvel. Both books are going to tie into Civil War II. Captain Marvel specifically is going to tie in with new writers, Christos and Ruth Gage, friends of the podcast, Christos Gage. Uh, He's going to be writing the Civil War II arc along with his wife. Over in the world of games, Agent Venom debuts this week in Contest of Champions, and we got some new stuff coming up for Puzzle Quest next week, as well as all sorts of new stuff for Avengers Alliance 2 and the like. So with all that said, let's go to Strami and the Wolfman out on the West Coast. Maybe Ryan's with them. And also, before you hear from me again, you're going to hear Blake has an interview with the cast and crew of the American Psycho on Broadway. So let's go to all that good stuff, and I'll be back answering your questions and comments. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Yeah. Hello there. This week in Marvelites, this is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Oh, hey, this is JP, the office manager here at Marvel. And... Uh, oh, Marvel.com, Patrick Kavanaugh, assistant editing. For another thrilling installment of that Wolfman Strami show, we're a little slap happy. We just had the premiere last night. We're still a little out of it. The what premiere? premiere? What premiere? The premiere of Marvel's Captain America the Winter Soldier. J- a while back. Well, how'd you see it a while back? Um, In theaters. It was really good. Did a copy of the film leak onto theaters? I think that's exactly what happened. Whoa, whoa, somebody better tell security. No, we had the premiere of Marvel's Captain America Civil War. We sure did. Oh, yes, we did. We live-streamed that. Uh, You can still check all that out on YouTube. or I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, it is on YouTube. Yeah, it's on our YouTube. You can check out clips on YouTube. You can catch uh, the whole thing. You can go on Marvel.com. Go on Marvel.com slash Captain America Premiere. And you can see photos from it. You can see all the interviews. You can see me in the background. Sadly. Sadly. Shuffling around a lot. You can see Ryan Pernagos in the background a lot, talking into his phone. Oh, like holding it up and talking into it as he Facebook lived things. Um, JP, you were at the movie last night, correct? I was, yeah. What did you think of it? The premiere? The movie? The movie. The movie. The movie was fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed everything that they did to... (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm not even sure what I'm allowed to say. You know what? To be fair, neither do Mark and I. (laughs) No, we have no idea. We never know what to say. We have no idea. Can we we say... Can we... And then we just change the subject. Yep. That's usually how it goes. Do you have any idea how many secrets have leaked because of us? So there's this one character that I really liked, and when he showed up, I was like, oh! And then the other character, when then they started talking, it was, yeah! I so. liked the part with the nuclear, there's a nuclear bomb that goes off and destroys the world. The no, world that doesn't happen. The explodes 15 uh, minutes into the film. Who, who? I, I think maybe Mark walked into the wrong theater. Yeah, yeah he walked into the boss. <laughs> <laughs> he walked into the boss. 
I was like, when did Melissa McCarthy join the MCU? Uh, well, no, here's the thing, is that for the premiere, we tentatively had 56 guests that I wrote questions for. Yes, we did. I believe maybe a third of those people. No, and we hit we hit a solid 25 people. Okay, so half. Yeah. And uh, so with all of those people, I wrote down all these questions to try and, you know, help out our hosts, Tamara Krinsky and Lorraine Sink. But they were so well prepared, they didn't even need to rely on my notes because they're so good at their jobs. Uh, so I didn't really get answers to my questions. Well, Patrick, we give you that job, actually. Just like to you keep you like busy. Here, something. just here, good. Just do this. <laughs> just busy work. But uh, so, so some of the questions that I'm wondering that we can now ask JP, uh, who were you more excited to see in the movie, Black Panther or Spider-Man? Uh, definitely Spider-Man. I, w- I, was, I was honestly intrigued with what they would do with him, but I think, for me anyway, Black Panther was the runaway. That was the wrong answer. You were more excited to see Black Panther, but Spider-Man wound up being the runaway. Anyway, uh, That's so exactly what I meant to say. Yeah. So, so you said uh, he ended up being like your run uh, between the two. He was your favorite, but out of because this is a massive story with like twelve major superheroes in the movie. Thirteen, if you count my cameo. Was uh, was Black Panther your favorite hero, or just your favorite of the new characters? Favorite of the new characters. I'm, 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 I'm still really, really <laughs> partial to Captain America. Bzz, incorrect. Black Panther was your favorite character of the entire movie. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant to say. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, so you heard it here first from JP, our office manager. He, <laughs> the office manager loves Black Panther, but gets yes. it wrong. All the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so Black Panther, awesome. Spider-Man, awesome. My two favorite characters were probably Spider-Man and Ant-Man. I love. They're not. I loved Ant-Man. They're obviously not as huge a part of the movie as Captain America but, or but Iron that, Man but, or Winter Soldier but that, or. But that's what makes them so great is that like they aren't as deeply emotionally invested in the battle as many of the others are. So they bring like. A, a whole new perspective to what's going on, and B, a lighter tone because it's it's not. They're just there to party. Well, yeah, kinda. Like they're just they're they're just there because they were asked to help out. You know what? Like, yeah. I just realized, and this is mostly my fault, is for at least five minutes we've been talking about a movie that fans won't be able to see for like over three weeks. Yeah. So we can. We can move along and talk about other things that are going on. All right. Jimmy Kim Alive. What else is going on? Oh, my. Yeah. Whoa. We had a trailer. We had to, or, yeah. or we can even focus on the movie we're talking about this before been... going to a different movie. <laughs> okay. Let's focus on the movie we're talking about. We've had Team Cap appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Yep. Uh, we had Team Iron Man. There are some members of Team Iron Man. Mo- well, yeah, Team Captain, Team Iron Man. Like, I think it was most of both teams. Chris Hemsworth will be on the show later this week. And on Thursday night. Clark so Gregg will be appearing later no, no, this week. No, no, Clark Gregg actually already appeared. Clark oh, he Gregg, already appeared. Clark Gregg was on Tuesday along with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, man. So speaking of Benedict Cumberbatch, did anything else happen on Jimmy Kimmel Live? I think that was it. Yep, all right. Oh, they debuted some uh, clips from Captain America. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was it, though. No. Nope. Ah, he got you. You're oh, wrong. man. JP used my own. Sorry for your ears that you just heard Mark Strom yelling. Hey, oh, we also had the debut trailer for Marvel's Doctor Strange premiered on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Got to see uh, your first look at Stephen Strange, Bandit Cumberbatch in action. Your first look at Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. Uh, your first look at Rachel McAdams in the film. She's briefly uh, in the trailer. Um, you got to see Mads Mickelson. Yes, Mads Mickelson. Uh, you got to see some, some super trippy visuals that I'm very excited about. It, do we have any Dutch listeners or Danish? Da- uh, I don't Danish. Know. I don't know. Do we? Because uh, I was told by a Dane that you pronounce M-A-D-S as mess. Really? I know. Because Mads Mickelson, if you will, obviously thanks to Hannibal, has become a huge, uh, not a huge star, but he's you know gained quite a following. And I was told by a Dane that you pronounce his name Mess Mickelson. Mess Mickelson. Interesting. We'll look this up. Yes, let's do that. Or if you happen to be a Dane, <laughs> feel free to chime in on Twitter. Yep, tweet at JP Rave or whatever. What, what's your Twitter, JP? Hey, Japes. Hey, Japes. Tweet at Hey, Japes uh, how you say Mads Mickelson's name or ma- mess. We also had two new posters for oh, Marvel's Doctor Strange. We did, we did, we did. I, I really enjoyed those. Well, the one was sort of the silhouette of him standing in front of the window in the Sanctum Sanctorum. It's about then... time someone put Benedict Cumberbatch in a silhouette in front of some sort of iconic landscape. I know or... I have been waiting far too long for Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, silhouette. Yeah, in front of my because we we kid. never yeah. we never get enough of it. Yep, and then the other one is a uh, is of his face, but he's doing the trippy finger thing, and like the fingers look like his cosmos, and it's like see through, and I like it. I think this movie is gonna be super trippy, which I enjoy because if you ever go back and reread those original Lee Ditko Doctor Strange comics, they are real bonkers. They are really bonkers. Wait, 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 wait. How bonkers are they? Really bonkers. Um, that's incorrect. They're real So bonkers. I think that covers you all just of... Your, you just use your own joke against you. That covers all of the... I'm not against self-deprecating The humor. Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe? Or theatrical? No, no theatrical. It, it, theatrical. It, it, it does not. The, it that's, does not. I'm clarifying right now. Theatrical. However, in other corners of the Marvel Cinematic Universe... No, you're still forgetting something. What? We announced the title of the next Spider-Man movie. Eh, I wouldn't say we announced so much as we reported on the announcement. All right, Sony announced at at CinemaCon that... CinemaCon. CinemaCon. That's more fun to say. CinemaCon. CinemaCon. Hey, is it time to go home yet? I think we should go home and sleep. So we announced the name of the movie. Yes. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. Home. Wait, or is no? I think technically it is Spider-Man Home Spider-Man Face Ming. Because technically. 
No, that's no. You know what, Kesha? You still pronounce it Kesha, even though it's a dollar sign. Homecoming. Ooh. You still pronounce it Homecoming, even though there's a Spider-Man face in the timely reference. Thank you. Anyway, hashtag free Kesha. <laughs> um, you still pronounce it Homecoming. Anyways. So now yes. are we moving on to TV? And of course, Spider-Man Homecoming will star Tom Holland as Peter Parker Spider-Man and Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. And you can see them in Marvel's Captain America Civil War in theaters May 6th. Yep. All right, I think that covers everything. Uh, we had a new Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last night. We did, we did. A new episode of This Week in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, we chatted with uh, George Kitson and uh, Sharla Oliver, who wrote the episode. It's very good if you're interested, Al, in learning more about how to break into TV writing. Uh, it's actually a very good podcast for that because they are sort of the uh, junior writers on staff. They're actually, one of them is the writer's assistant and one of them is Jeff Bell's assistant. Um, and they got an opportunity to write an episode together. And uh, it was a very emotional episode for uh, Pars Booth's character, Gideon Malik. And it ended on quite the cliffhanger that will lead straight into next week's episode, uh, Tuesday at 9, 8 Central on ABC, in which the secret warriors come together. They have to come together and save the rest of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from HYDRA. Uh... <laughs> We'll have some clips of that, of course, coming up. Um, and I think I still have an interview with Ming-Na Wen that I have to post, so maybe we'll do that. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Um, what else we got going on? Well, there's some other stuff going on that I can't tell you about yet, but we may have announced some stuff by the time you're listening to this. Faramir. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did already announce that. David... La- that was Friday? Yeah, last Friday. David... Uh, Wenham? Wenham, right? That's how you pronounce it? Faramir. Yeah. <laughs> All right, he played some guy in, Faramir. in some Lord of the Two Towers movie. Um, he played Faramir, Boromir's it, brother. In, Lo- in Lord of the Two Towers, Ring, Ring, Lord of the Two Ring Towers, Lord of the Two Rings. Lord. Anything else? Anything else going uh, on? Oh, anyway, he plays Harold Meacham. Uh, in Marvel's Iron him. Fist. Hey, 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 I'm using that joke. Uh, I think I stole that joke from Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. I'm still on that joke. Fair enough. Um, he will play Harold Meacham in Marvel's Iron Fist, which will be coming soon to Netflix. Um, and yeah, hopefully, uh, we, we may have some other news coming soon. Some other news may have already broke by the time you're listening to this, so keep your eyes out on the Marvel Twitter. And did we talk about Cloak and Dagger last week? I, I, when did we announce that? I don't know, but we definitely did announce Cloak and Dagger. Yes, we did, because I made the joke about how I say Dagger. Oh, God. That's coming in free form. Uh, you get to hear me say Dagger in my Midwestern twang quite a lot coming up, so all you listeners, you have that to look forward to. I got God Dagger to slay the dragon. I, I ate a bagel on the roof. Anything else? Does that wrap things up, I think? Do we have anything in animation? Uh, we'll talk about it in a minute. Okay. Tune in for uh, Patrick talking to, who would you talk to, Harrison? Harrison and Marsha. Harrison and Marsha. JP, thank you for joining us. I'm sure it was your pleasure. 
you guys joined me. I was in this conference room, and you guys just walked right in and started doing this. Also, thank you for the patience, everyone in the room who uh, <laughs> whose meeting we interrupted that JP was trying to give a presentation. Th thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Henry. No, thank you, Hannah. Get out of here. Hey, you crazy kids, get off my front lawn. Okay, Pop, we will. Just a little too much. A lot of too much. Oh, All right. Say the thing that means it's over. Uh, I can't. I ask, My brain is so I can't remember. Stay something, something about Ovaltine? Stay tuned for more of Patrick. This is Marvel, your universe. God, God help anyone listening to this. Close enough. Hello out there. This week in Marvel, this is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. And I am joined by... Harrison Wilcox. As well as... Marsha Griffin. And I don't know how well this microphone picked up any of that, any of those sounds you just heard, but there was just a slap fight between, between Harrison and Marsha, and I declared a draw. I declared a draw. Still going on. Everyone's just so excited. We're, uh, we're hot off of seeing Marvel's Captain America Civil War last night. Awesome. I don't know. Were, were those snaps sound is, effects? Is of that something? where everyone in the office was? I was here. <laughs> you were here. You were working. I was in the conference room waiting for the meeting to start. Oh, we're so, we didn't have it. There was no ticket for you. That's so sad. Oh. oh. And I had like a plus eighty, and I could only, <laughs> I couldn't find enough people to come with me to that movie. Nobody was interested in going to see that movie. No. And I don't know. Well, at least you people. could spread out. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. You had a big. Had both <laughs> arms out wide. Uh, people, people would walk by like, oh, he's waiting to do the clever, like, yawn, put your arm around something. An empty drink. chair? And I was like, no, <laughs> stay away. I just need to air everything out. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's somewhat relevant to what we're talking about because some of the characters featured in the movie, uh, yeah, are Avengers. And we have a new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution this Ooh, week. That's such a good segue. No, that was terrible. Horrible. That was terrible. That was terrible. You know what? Why don't we get? Why don't we go back to the tried and true chronological method? Why don't we start things off by talking about what's new in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy this week? Yeah, let's it's do that. The, it's the second part of a two-part event. Yes. So what's going on? What what's happening? Well, uh, for those who saw last week's episode, the Spartax uh, Asgard War has taken a sharp turn. Uh, true enemies have been revealed. And uh, our uh, our good old pal Thanos... Oh, no. ...has uh, joined into the into the battle. And and so now everything's been turned on its head. Hijinks and shenanigans uh, sort of ensue, but there is a war going on. There's so a war. Tomfoolery? No, it's pretty mm, serious. war, Patrick. They what are you thinking? Tomfoolery to a minimum. Thanos <laughs> kind of stamps down the tomfoolery. It's, he's known for that. Uh, so yeah, we have a lot of uh, uh, Jason and Peter stuff going on. We got a lot of Thor and Angela stuff going on. It's uh, a lot of Destroyer and Rocket uh, shenanigans, but not tomfoolery. No, oh. it's uh, it's a big fun war. A big fun war. As fun as war can be. As, as entertaining as war can be. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I saw that Saving Private Ryan movie. That was hysterical. I, I chuckled. That's a real knee slapper. <laughs> it's a real knee you slapper. You would think if 
Thanos sits all the time, he'd have a more comfortable chair, wouldn't you? Probably. Does he, I would. Does he not have a comfortable chair? It looks uncomfortable. <laughs> that was prescribed by his chiropractor. It looks uncomfortable. You know, when you're... Like, when, like it, it would be a recliner. If I was Thanos, it would oh, be a recliner. Oh, right, yeah. Or, or at the very least, like an ottoman. A lazy boy. To, to put your legs up. Yeah, Faint, exactly. A, a lazy boy or maybe a fainting couch. Something like that. Is in, in case couch? he gets a case of the vapors. Maybe that's why... Yes. Oh, I do declare. <laughs> Don't start, Marsha, your southern accent. <laughs> what? Oh, man. I think we just tapped into something real special. Maybe yeah, he wouldn't be as grouchy. I do declare. I, <laughs> I think he would be maybe, you know, less... Wanting to kill everyone. Yeah, if he had a better chair. If only. He'd be slightly I feel a little grouchy. the same way, too. <laughs> we need to invest in some high-quality chairs. Yeah. Meanwhile, Stephen Wacker, whose office we're in right now, he's got one, two, three, five chairs that he's not even using. They're... What is that just so he could stretch out? So he has a variety? Uh, he just he spends time in each chair every day. Every day? Yeah. There's he like a, a timer and he sits in on that chair, and then he switches. To make sure they're all well broken. Yes. Marsha's yeah. joking, but it's actually really serious. He has this rare condition where his butt cheeks fall asleep very oh, easily. Oh man. So he has to switch chairs every five minutes <laughs> yeah. or it's not funny. It's, it's There's not, no telethon very, for that. That's very serious. That Steve Wacker yeah. sure is a hard ass. Oh. It's okay. If you if you know the podcast, yeah. if you know how to download a podcast, I think we're clear to say ass. There. Oh, I was I was the word did not. No, it wasn't the word. It was the joke offended me. I'm just defending people on all the levels. The actual joke. If you have any at, at home, if you have any chair cushion suggestions, please tweet or Instagram Steve. Oh, yes. <laughs> please. Please. Uh, yeah. If you have If you any, care at all. If you care at all about Stephen Wacker and his posterior, please yeah. tweet him with suggestions on how to take care of his butt. Butt suggestions. I think it's the restless butt syndrome is what it's called. <laughs> so, following a brand new episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, at 8.30 a.m. this Sunday on Disney X Day, we have a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution, which I hinted at earlier, because mm-hmm. Avengers, Avengers, Cap, Iron Man, yep. Black Widow, all sorts of good stuff. What's yep. going on this week? In- uh, this week... Uh, if you recall, last week we met the Thunderbolts. Oh, that's right. right remember? Um, so this week... Another kind of like two-part kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so this week we uh, will discover that they are not who we think they are. Oh, no. Yeah. Which happens a lot. Uh, <laughs> but they, they are not who we think they are. They're actually working for somebody else. But, and so now the Avengers have to figure out whether they can uh, have to de- defeat them or whether they can maybe recruit them to hmm. turn against their own boss. Interesting. Yes. Uh, is it too late? I know the Thunderbolts have been around for quite some time. Is it too late to change their name from Thunderbolts to Lightning Bolt or Thunderclap? Because there's no such thing as a Thunderbolt. True. Can we take care of that? Uh, we'll see what we can do, Patrick. Um, have to I'm not talking about... I'm not Would you like to turn about... back time and do it? Do or yeah. you the domain name, or what's the deal here? No, it's just... Is this your play? Is this it, your... It's, yeah. It's, it, it reminds me of like when people say, oh, I could care less. And it's not. It's, that's incorrect. Right. It's, I couldn't care less. But people just use it all willy-nilly. Thunderbolt, thunder, is the sound 
resulting Although from I lightning. Could, I could care less about this conversation. It would be, be a thunder clap. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's what I'm saying. It's the clap of thunder, thunder or a bolt of lightning. True. You can't be a thunderbolt. But this is a hybrid. This is one of those hybrid things. They're part So they're the thunder. sound. They're, they're sound of thunder and the impact they're, of lightning. I believe wow. their original subheader was justice like lightning. Okay. So that would be why there'd be a bolt in there. Right. But it's the it's we the two greatest forces. <laughs> the two greatest forces during a thunderstorm is That's thunder true. and lightning. Both what if? But what if a tornado shows up? Can a thunderstorm escalate to a tornado? Yes. Have you guys seen Twister? I loved cow. <laughs> we got a cow. We got a cow. Sorry, I I as soon as we Twister? as have, soon as we started thinking about serious weather, my mind just immediately to went to Twister mm. and. Uh, that's really all I wanted to talk about. Well, of course, because who doesn't love a good Helen Hunt movie? Yeah. Helen Hunt, Jan de Bont, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. The other day, Mark Strom asked me oh boy. when we actually talk about the animated shows. He said, it seems like it takes a long time for you guys to get to the cartoons. And now I'm beginning to understand what he's saying. <laughs> but we hit them both. Yeah, we got, we totally nailed both of we our nailed new... nailed them. And now we're just talking about the 90s movie of the week. I mean, I'd say it's more of a movie. That's a bonus. movie of a, a year. Sorry, an event. An ev- absolutely mm-hmm. an event. Yeah. Uh, but also, if you're ever concerned about what Mark Strom has to say to you, feel free to listen to what him and I talk about on our podcast, <laughs> and it's uh, slightly more off the rails. I think no, because uh, it's equal parts. I would say it's directly on the third rail. On the third rail, which is the most electrifying of all the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back to the Thunderbolts. Back to seeing that's how we were back on track. Yep. Is that bolt of electricity yes. striking through the sky. All I know is that they're not mm-hmm. who you think they are. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And on that note, make sure you're tuning in this Sunday at 8 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. for two brand new animated episodes. Uh, Marsha, Harrison, a pleasure as always. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. And to the listener, cartoon in to Disney XD this Sunday. Hey, everybody. Blake with Marvel.com, and we have a very special interview segment for everyone today. Uh, I went off to do some uh, a press event for um, American Psycho on Broadway. Uh, I believe it's in previews now, and it should be um, in regular production uh, very soon. Please go check it out if you're in the New York area. Uh, We talked to Duncan Cheek and Rupert Gould, who uh, Duncan is a famous uh, musician who um, transitioned more into the Broadway uh, music compilation, I guess. And then Rupert is the director who I believe uh, might have directed the London, the British production, but uh, don't count me on that. We also talked to Benjamin Walker, who plays the main character in uh, American Psycho. You may know him from uh, Andrew Lincoln, um, Vampire Hunter, if that's the right name. Again, don't quote me on that. And we also talked to Alice Ripley, Helene York, Jennifer Dom. Uh, Miano, forgive me if I say that wrong, but uh, it was really cool. We got to see a couple uh, scenes from the play. It looks freaking awesome. If you're a fan of the book, if you're a fan of the movie, definitely go check it out. All right, and on with the show. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest. Really, what I remember uh, watching this now, I had such a smile on my face that I wasn't planning on. Is that what's the reaction been like so far? Um, with it's got to be a similar reaction as well. 
Yeah, I th I, I, in London, I felt people were going, okay, am I going to, is the book going to be betrayed? Is it going to really scare me? Uh, is it going to be horrifically anti-women? Is it going to be very pornographic? And most people came out like, it's really entertaining. <laughs> it's just really, really funny and fun. Um, certainly, it sort of scratches at some of those areas. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's what people, people leave with a smile on their face, which is kind of what you want. And, and, <laughs> and Duncan, you mentioned too that you really wanted to keep the 80s yes. in there. Can you yeah. talk a little on that? Sure. Well, I mean, you know, I, I went to college, I went to Brown University, and we, every weekend my roommates and I would come down to New York City and we would go clubbing. And so I was sort of younger than, those, than the Patrick Batemans of that time. I was maybe 18 or 19 and they were 26 or 27, but I saw those guys out and I knew what they were listening to and I knew that environment really really well and when, and, you know, when I reread the book I thought like this needs to be the style of music that we do for the show and that will be really I think compelling to people because it's completely new and it challenges people's ideas about what musical theater might sound like. And how, uh, how hard or simple was it to find your Patrick for this performance? Uh, it was very simple in that we knew we all went yeah it's Ben from, yeah. from day one. <laughs> it was hard in that um, he had movie commitments and um, you know we didn't quite know when we were going to be doing the show but I think we all you know I'd seen well we'd all seen him in Bloody Bloody Aaron Jackson in particular and you know he sings he dances he's, he's a really great actor but he's also got this sort of x-factor charisma that uh, um, so you know what could have been a very laborious and uh, you know also by definition you're, you're looking for a, a youngish guy and you know, so how do you know they may not have had time to prove themselves? But uh, yeah, I think we, we struck gold with them. Yeah, and somebody who, who he's an, he's an anti-hero in some way, but he still has to be appealing. Yeah. And you still have to kind of be intrigued by him and, and not necessarily root for him, but be really interested in him. And Ben, I think, finds that line really well. And uh, you mentioned in the in the, the press event earlier that you can really tell you guys are fans of the subject matter before even this came out. What what drew you to the book and the, the film? I don't know. I think in, in a way, all of us who have been working on it for a long time have some sense of Patrick Bateman in them. Uh, I, I think, I, to be honest, I think if you if you conceive of yourself as an artist or creative at any level, or even just other to the world that you grew up in, then you know that you ought to belong in a different way, and then at some point at school or whenever you you make the choice to do something different and and that can be disturbing and wounding and god that could be to do with your sexuality or could you do it but, but a lot of most people go through that and i think those people who pursue particularly this crazy world of you know making a career in in the art forms we do you know you've got a you've got a to some degree be psychopathic in terms of kind of believing that you can get there and um i i find bateman a very Although he's incredibly mockable, I find him a very moving anti-hero, like Duncan says. Um, repeat the question one more time, because I... What did you say? Like, how, what drew you... What drew me to this material? Well, again, like, I, I, at first blush, I, I didn't think... I didn't see this as a musical. Um, and and I, I was a big fan of Brady Sinellis. I love Lesson Zero. But when I first read American Psycho, I was like pretty disturbed by it, frankly. And it took me a second reading much later for me to feel like, 
oh, I understand what he's getting at, and I, underst I understood the satire better as a 40-year-old, and, and I, I was you know, able to kind of understand this more as a metaphor, Patrick Bateman as a kind of avatar of the psychopathology of late capitalism, uh, you know, as opposed to it just being this, these horrific series of events. Um, so just seeing, seeing, the, seeing the, the aspect of it that is a bit of an allegory for our yeah. It's culture. interesting that we're working this week how many superhero analogies we've used in, in developing oh, material. Really? Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> Bateman is, follows the classic supervillain, you know, in great pain, goes through some desperate life-changing experience, which then produces the supervillain, who then pursues his evil master plan and then finds his deep Joker-like, you know, he, yeah. Bateman is like the Joker or, yeah. you know, all these other classic sort of uh, supervillains uh, and even some superheroes, um, you know, he's out there on the streets of Gotham in a similar way. Yeah. I, I've never cr had those two things crossed. That's amazing. That's blowing my mind. Yeah, nice. Um, well, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. it. Thanks for taking the time. I'm sure you're getting this question a lot, but like, watching you up on stage, you're really you seem South Carolina. Where? Uh, outside of Columbia. I was born in Columbia. Really? I still want to hear Southern accent. Sorry to interrupt you. Really? I'm sure it's a very interesting question, but oh, it's such a relief. <laughs> thanks. Well, that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, watching you perform here it looks like you're having so much fun what what drew you to the role I'm sure did you watch the film did you read the books like were, were you in, or the book well I mean yeah I'm familiar with the story I've read the book I've seen the movie but what initially drew me to it was the question of what <laughs> and who's making this and when I found out it was Rupert and Duncan I wanted to see what they were creating and I wanted to be part of it and also I feel like Unfortunately, Patrick Bateman has kind of been misrepresented. Um, and the horrible truth is, is there's a bit of Patrick Bateman in all of us. <laughs> and, you know, there's been a moment in your life where you've been stuck in traffic and everyone's jammed up in front of you and you're late and not feeling well and didn't get any sleep. And if somebody could take your thought bubbles and read them out loud, you would sound exactly like Patrick Bateman. Now, the difference is, of course, right. you don't act on those things and he does in a horribly heinous way. But there is something about acknowledging the fact that there's a bit of the devil in all of us, and we like to watch it. I know uh, Rupert mentioned that you guys are kind of saying how that Patrick's kind of his own supervillain in a way. He like, does. I, that, he I, discovers, that never crossed my mind. That's exactly what it is. Mm. Is that he? It, it, I mean, the Hulk is a perfect metaphor because this thing that grows inside of him, and that he it awakens in him. That's the first act, and it's glorious to see him become this thing. But then, after intermission, gets a little out of hand. And that's fun. <laughs> How do you handle that? What do you do about it? What can you do with it? Mm -hmm. All right, last question. If, if your character had a superpower, what would it be and why? And I know manipulation might be one for him already, but I don't know. I think Patrick Bateman would be able to turn invisible because I think the irony of how invisible he feels would be traumatic for him, but also the fact that he could be creepily close to someone's face when they don't know it, and that voyeuristic sense, uh, I think that would be an interesting movie. That's the best invisible answer ever. Patrick Bacon. He's all around you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Yes, I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, and I apologize, but what drew you to this role? Were you a fan of the films or the books? I was, I mean, Everyone's a fan of the movie, uh, right? Course, How do you yeah. not be a fan of the movie? Of it's classic. Um, but 
Also, they've kind of they've fleshed out the role of Jean a little bit more here than than in the book and the movie, and I was really interested um, in kind of the meat they had given to that role. But also, I mean, it's just the coolest. I just knew that with Duncan involved, you know, he he would make it make sense and he would make it so cool, and he has. And I can't wait for people to see it. I can't wait for you guys to see like the rest. Like it's it's just epic. It's got to be so fun though, because I remember, like, obviously people were like, "You can't make American Psycho into a into a musical on Broadway. Yeah. Like, that's not gonna happen." And then when I got here, that's what I was thinking. I see it, and I'm grinning. I'm just loving it. Like, yeah. it's got to be great to do a role like that. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Bateman. It's like everything about him, right before he crosses over into serial killer town. Is that a spoiler? No, it's not. Right? <laughs> like, what is this? What, what is that? what? I need to review my spoilers. Um, but everything about him, which makes it easy for my character to be in love with him, right before that, if you don't know about that, is great. Like, he's charming and fun and quick and and hilarious. Um, and I think it's great that we see, um, you know, that he's a little more insecure maybe in this version and we see a little more of his human. Um, and maybe, you know, we see something of him in ourselves not having to do with murder or violence or anything like that but just um you know how far will our kind of insecurities like take us you know what i mean mm. that sounds crazy <laughs> I, I see no. I, like it's like i'm really learning how to talk about this show today because you know we're in no way celebrating that kind of behavior but it is a comment on it and you know it's kind of cartoonish like it's satire the, the murders and it's very stylized in the show and it's um I don't think of them as actual murders I think of them as these you, you, you know when you read the book you read the book right and it's kind of like he um there will be a sentence like but none but I'm dreaming all of this anyway you know like it's very it's open to interpretation like what's actually happening and what's not and obviously the music's such an integral part of this whole thing. Like, yeah. can you talk, speak a little on that? I mean, the music's great because, uh, aside from the actual cool songs from the time that we've been able to manage to get the show, which is awesome, mm. um, there's also, there's a slight modern touch to it, but they do sound of that time. And they kind of sound like you've heard them before, like you might know them from the 80s, but with like this completely modern flair where you could also probably hear them in a club now. Um, and somehow still, at least for me and my character, um, proved to be pretty emotional, eventually. <laughs> it's like cryptic, everything's cryptic in these interviews. That's the way it goes. <laughs> um, last question, if your character had a superpower, what would it be and why? I think to read people's minds because she is um, so in love with him and so unsure of like who he who he really is, and I think I think to read people's minds would make her life a lot easier. She wants to read his mind though, or everybody's. Well, I mean, I mean, she's very focused on him throughout the show. Mm. It is like that is. That is her role, my role. But um, yeah, I feel like if she could read his mind, she would know he was a serial killer and then stop being in love with him. And then that would be that and it would be fine. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's Thank great. you. Um,
So I have two quick questions. My first one is, like, obviously you've probably been asked this throughout this whole event, but what kind of drew you to want to be a part of this role? Well, I'll say that um, when I saw the first Spring Awakening that was on Broadway, um, I had gone through kind of a dark period creatively, like we do, mm -hmm. trying to figure out what had meaning for me. And that show, when I saw Spring Awakening, it, it blew me away and it ignited that, that fire that got sort of kind of burst back into flames again in my heart. And I'm so happy that, I haven't even told Duncan that, but I'm so happy that I get to work with Duncan because the music is really, I mean, everything about it I think mm -hmm. is great. Because I haven't even seen the visuals yet, and that's supposed to be one of the strongest elements. But the music is what makes it, sets it apart from the book and the movie. And and I think it's it has m the most potential to to help you really understand the story and the characters because the music kind of initiates the emotion and it initiates the action and it, it tells you without words things about the characters that you might not otherwise know by reading a book or watching a movie and it kind of makes it more human because Patrick does these in inhuman things but by the end I want to hug him <laughs> and I think it's because the score does that. Oh really? I think Duncan's score is, is really really good it's really well written and he's put in some hits from the 80s like three or four like in the air tonight we sing that an acapella version right before he does his awesome. first takedown awesome. and it's it's like stuff's like it's really starting to come down now like that's the feeling of that song and there's a song everybody wants to rule the world is the second number when patrick is kind of like in his element before things start to go off, off the page, I guess as you could say. Um, last quick question: What uh, if your character had a superpower? What would it be, and why? If I had a superpower, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I think it would be um, traveling through time and space, time-space continuum. I like that. You know, like you and I, and I could take somebody with me. Like you and I could go boom, and, and we'd be like standing on yeah. on a beach in Hawaii for about a half hour. <laughs> on our break and then we can come back here and have dinner. I like that. that would be really fun. <laughs> Thanks for taking the I'm time. I'm invite you if I ever acquire <laughs> I that power. Thank you. Um, so I have two, two questions for you. First is uh, how like familiar were, were you with the subject matter beforehand and was it hard to like divorce yourself from that if you were? You know, I had seen the movie a, lo a long time before and of course loved the movie because it's so weird and he's so great in it. Um, but no, it, oddly enough, it wasn't hard to divorce from it because the music for this is so mm. infectious and creates its whole own tone. Of course, with this, that the whole spirit of the story, this you know, psycho thriller, sexy journey or whatever. But the music takes over so much that um, it feels like a its separate own thing. I heard the soundtrack's going to be a, a pretty big hit, too, from what they're saying. Oh, are they saying yeah. that? <laughs> from what I've heard today. You know, because we rehearsed all these numbers, and hearing all the music come through these speakers, sitting out front, you're like, oh, my God, I feel like the whole theater is just going to be like, anybody sharing a wall with us is going to be like, great, the techno party that we share a wall with. You know, it's just going to be, we're going to be thumping it. It's going to be loud, and it's... I, I want to look out and I want to see people moving. <laughs> That's awesome. And finally, last question. I've been asking everyone this. If your character from the show had a superpower, what would it be and why? Um, oh, God. 
If my character had a superpower, what would it be and why? She would be like, um, she'd be one of those people that if, like, um, oh, I know. Um, you know in I Dream of Jeannie, mm -hmm. when she just wants a room to be like, on. <laughs> That's what mine would be. So it's like she freezes like, everyone? No, no, no. It's like, you know, there's like sort of a mess or anything. Any kind oh, of mess. Uh, like personal mess, anything, whatever. And she's just like, boom. And that's it. <laughs> it's just like on point. <laughs> that would be one that I would want. Everybody's like, I want to fly. I want to do... Mm -hmm. No. Just take care of business with a snap of a finger. That's legit one of my favorite answers ever. So <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, man. Me too. All right, guys, welcome back. It's time for your questions and comments. I'm flying solo this time, so I will get into as much as I can. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to get in touch with us, use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel on Twitter or use our email, twimpodcast at marvel.com, and we will respond to whatever you have to say. Speaking of which, Alan Wilkinson starts us off this week, says, as a UK Marvel fan, I am disappointed. Would be great to get a British hero in the MCU. So I don't know if this is in reference to something else, but I'll just say uh, we've never said there wouldn't be a British hero in the MCU. Certainly there's lots of cool British characters in the Marvel catalog, so wouldn't be unheard of for one of them to make their way into a movie or a TV show sooner or later. I would love to see Union Jack personally, um, played by me. Cameron Wardlaw says, huge thanks to Agent M, Marvel, and everyone else in the This Week in Marvel Live taping. This is our Dallas taping. Thanks for thanking me, Cameron. I was right there. Um, 25 twim demerits for you. Chakalodian says, this week in Marvel at Zeus Comics has a picture of me and Ryan and Chris and Frankie and says, Agent M seems pretty cool in person, in case you all were wondering. I was not wondering that. I see him every day, although I didn't see him today, so maybe I'm wondering about it. Spoiler alert, they're hilarious. Thank you for recognizing that, Chocolodian. We try very hard. Uh, Daniel Willis, we need a Punisher Netflix show. Now, I said it like that because he capitalized and put periods after every word. So I think he really, really wants that. Um, we got a lot of stuff already on the docket for Netflix. So we'll see when The Punisher next shows up. David Wayne, listen to the latest This Week in Marvel episode. And you mentioned Chewy Impressions. This is my wife and daughter's. Hope you like it. And then gave us a YouTube link. So... I can't listen to it right now because it's a link and I have a piece of paper, but I'm, I'm sure your wife and daughter were excellent with their Chewy imitations and we'll be sure to get more of those in the future from our interns. Not today. I don't have, I don't have a microphone set up. Um, Alexis is looking back at me just making weird faces. Uh, <laughs> FNL45H, our old friend Dirty Lash, says, can prank time become a regular Snapchat feature, or at least until Agent M loses his cutoff? So, don't really know what he wanted there. But, yeah, prank time should absolutely be a regular Snapchat feature. Please let Adri Cowan know uh, what kind of things you want to see on Snapchat, because I know she's always looking for ideas. Gay Comic Guy, I love that this week in Marvel Comics we had two heroes with disabilities leading their own books. Hawkeye and Venom, that actually is really cool. Uh, of course, Venom doesn't have use of his legs, and Hawkeye is deaf, and they're both kicking butt no matter what. 
That's good to see, and thanks for pointing that out, K-Comic Guy. Heywood, WHWVU. Last week, pick of the week was totally awesome Hulk number four. A fun way to end the first arc. It is the Hulk trying, and is the Hulk trying to break out. Agent M in the newest S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast with Strami. It's so funny he can't handle the Bone Zone talk from Adrian Palicki. I didn't realize that they went there. Um, now I almost want to listen to that podcast, but unfortunately Strami hosts, so I can't. I can't listen to it. Uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, thank you guys for being on This Week in Marvel with Agent M and Ben J. Morse. Great stuff. Maybe Curry Man can be next. We try to book Curry Man all the time, but he is one of the hardest guys to just lock down. He's got a ambitious schedule and his agent's a pain. Um, we'll keep trying. Uh, it Pick of the week was Captain America number seven. Finally, Cap has come back to normal. If you smell what the Cap is cooking, that sounds familiar. Hmm. Interesting. Hillary Hardy. This has a lot of Toad. For all you Toad fans, so much Toad. So much Toad. That was quoting something that Ryan and I said during the live taping at Zeus Comics. Uh, We've got more from Hillary Hardy. Mentallo or Mentallo? Josh Whedon or Joss Whedon? Agent M and Ben J. Morris arguing about pronunciation at Zeus Comics. Uh, this is a lot of just quotes from us at Zeus Comics, which is great because I don't have to comment on them. I can just say they were hilarious. Uh, the character's name is Ten Fingers. He has 20 fingers, 10 on each hand. It's disgusting. That was Ryan. As always, it's Star Wars. There's lots of wars. Ryan again. There's a guy who's using social media to take down the gods, just like me. That was the first first line was attributed to me. The second one was Ryan's. Fin Fang Foom, without pants this time. Pantsless Foom. Pantsless Foom. Us again. I have five cats at home. He's married, too. Don't worry. Not to the cats. Not to the cats. That was... Alexis is just cracking up all this great stuff she missed by not coming to Dallas uh, she has an Omniwave projector it's a Cree thingamabob awful Gambit saying stuff like mon ami, ma chérie. I hate Gambit, and guess who that one's from unbeatable squirrel girl, I want to eat that book, it's so good, that was Brian again always threatening to eat comics if I had my stack here, I would tell you, oh, you mean the stack of wonderful Marvel comics? Again, a zinger from H&M. Alien Racer Cheese. This is our favorite. We did play a little Alien Racer Cheese down in Dallas. It went very well. Uh, I'm laughing because there's a typo in here, says Ryan. The character's name in here is Nick Ferti. Very good. Very good. Is Steve Rogers an inhuman? No, she looked at you with such scorn. And that was the last of the epic uh, recap. That was that was a nice little recap of if you missed the podcast in Dallas, Hillary Hardy just uh, transcribed half of it for you. There we go. Jim Radloff. If Miles doesn't want to be considered the Black Spider-Man, he may want to reconsider the color scheme of his costume. Heck, with no skin showing in his costume, he could easily be the White Spider-Man. Um, I don't think that's quite what Miles is talking about. He was, you know, he he got exposed as being. Um, black because part of his costume got ripped off. I don't think that he does. It's not that he doesn't want to be referred to as like, oh, that co- that Spider-Man has a black costume. He doesn't want to be known as just the black Spider-Man in terms of his race. He wants to just be known as Spider-Man, which we agreed is a totally reasonable goal. Um, we have a few from John Swindle. Again, it's so great that so many of you guys were in Dallas. Um, getting ready to watch a live This Week in Marvel podcast. Has a picture of me with Frankie and Chris. Got some free swag for being a Marvel Unlimited Plus member. Thanks for such a great show, and we thank you for being there. 
Kirby, Nerd Kirby One, has a picture of Dallas and says, I went for a high five. I ended up with $100 in a high five. So there you go. Never miss our live shows. You never know what's going to happen. Kyle Charles, question. If Jessica Drew's baby has powers, would he be a mutant? Very interesting question, Kyle. Uh, No, he would not necessarily be a mutant because mutants are a certain type of species that only happens if the parents are exposed to a certain type of radiation. That's generally what happens. They grow an extra um, strand of DNA, something like that. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But uh, if they get powers because their parent was already superhuman and there's something with her blood or whatever i don't know if you could necessarily qualify him as a mutant or maybe you could if he's just born because of an abnormality maybe that's all any baby born with an abnormality that leads to superpowers is called mutant in the uh, marvel universe it's a good question very good question hopefully i got at least some of it can you guys tell me why you find Punisher 2099 so awesome? Uh, pretty much because he came out when we were kids, and all the characters who came out when we were kids are awesome, and they always will be. After reading Hyperion, I can see a face turn coming in the pages of Squadron Supreme. Yeah, Hyperion is probably the most heroic of the Squadroners, so if anyone is going to kind of hold them to the straight and narrow, it's going to be him. I decided every week I'm going to try and make a wrestling references. As you know, you guys will appreciate it. Yes, yes we will. I've noticed that in nearly every future involving the X-Men, Deadpool is always a bad guy. Yeah, you know, he's a tragic figure and uh, got a lot going wrong. It wouldn't take much to turn Deadpool, but that's why it's so impressive that our Deadpool, the Marvel Prime Universe Deadpool, remains a good guy through it all. Um... AJ Styles all the way for WrestleMania. We were rooting for him. We had a great interview with him. That was a lot of fun. New Avengers 8. So Hawkeye wasn't the mole. What a twist. If you guys aren't reading New Avengers, it's a great book. And they just revealed who was the mole, which is what they're referring to here. I really like how Toad and the Blob are being used in all new X-Men. They are once again a serious threat. 100% agree. That's a great uh, point, Kyle Charles. I love that they're taking these original X-Men villains. I would love to see them continue down that path with some of the you know, early guys like Unis the Untouchable or Mastermind. Mastermind's not alive, so maybe his daughters. Uh, it's, a cool, it's a cool thing to explore that you know these kids were so used to beating up on these guys, and now they face them in the present day, and they're a bigger threat. So hopefully we'll see some more of that. American Kaiju. And then favorite match from TakeOver Dallas and WrestleMania. I think that for me would be a tie between uh, the Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura match at TakeOver and the women's match at WrestleMania. Both were excellent in completely different ways. And I think those were, to me, the two best matches of the weekend. Nate Townsend, I'm glad nothing caught on fire other than the Infinity Wheel at This Week in Marvel. Agent M is always blowing something up. Blowing up social media is what he's doing. Man, this uh, this, this definitely works better when Ryan's here to play off me. All right, <laughs> Nick Beltran. So, Marvel Knights The Sentry is excellent. Uh, the Sentry, that would be a great future Twim URC. Alexis, please note that down. Don't really. I don't. Yeah, I don't need a note for it. Yeah, I'm, I, I'll remember it. Um, Raph AB. So there's a Punisher, Punisher-like character in the Star Wars comics. Looks good. Not sure who's referring to there. What's the current status of Marvel's Most Wanted? Is a first season confirmed, or is it still in pilot phase? I'm going to exercise my right not to comment on TV properties there, and uh, you'll have to wait and see. We're still with Raph AB for a little while longer. Daredevil Season 2 got a lot of nice guest appearances. Not going to say the names. Do not spoil people. Thank you. We appreciate that. 
It took 15 seconds for the Captain America Civil War Paris premiere to be sold out. Worst part, now tickets are on eBay. Oh, boo, the worst. People who just go and buy them so they can sell them on eBay. No good at all. The idiot robot we see in the Iron Man movies should have been part of the Ultron Origins in some way. That would have been funny. Each time I hear about American Kaiju, I think of South Park and their Mecha Streisand. American Kaiju is much cooler than Mecha Streisand. Come on. Reread Uncanny Avengers Annual. Was that the basis for the Avengers Academy game? Um, not as far as I know, but that is a nice, nice catch there, both featuring Avengers who are younger and in school. Just listen to a slam poem by Ernie Klein. What's so special about the Hulk from issue number 272 to issue number 378? Uh, those are very specific issues, and I'm not sure what that was. Could that be the Peter David run on the Hulk? I ask to myself and think about. I think that might be it. I'm going to have to look that up, but that might be uh, the run, the very long run of Peter David, who wrote the Hulk for many, many years. Brett Gemlin, my twim of the season season is astonishing ant-man number six that final page with cassie's new identity made me ridiculously happy it was a pretty cool callback twim of the week it came out but i can't keep track was all new all different avengers number seven mark wade and the team rocked it you gotta love it when you can audibly hear the penny drop bill and ted really surprised that hadn't hit home sooner that's a Bill and Ted reference that I that I didn't get. I know you don't have it, and no one else is going to get it. So uh, Rob, Rob Nolan is outwitting all of us. What can you tell us about the A Year of Marvels Infinite series? I'd like to know more about it, please. Uh, the Year of Marvels is something that I believe our junior editors are working on, where basically they're putting together their own infinite comics, and it unfolds over the course of a year. Um, beyond that, I don't really know much about it. So I will try to... I know when Nick Lowe was on our podcast, when we did the Twim URC on Infinite Comics, he went into a little more detail. Obviously, I wasn't listening very closely. Um, but if you guys want to go back and listen to that episode hopefully you can get some answers rp67 says the second season of daredevil was amazing punisher was amazing Electra was great you see the stilt man i how far are you in daredevil you're just nodding shaking your head no at me all right i'm only one episode in so i have not seen any stilt man yet but that has me pretty excited Twim of the week is Captain America Sam Wilson. The Steranko homage by Tim Sale was worth the price of admission alone. Very cool variant cover. Shelby Cunningham, I had a lot of fun at the Zeus Comics This Week in Marvel show with Clay Harrison and Kyle 1.0. Glad you guys enjoyed. Time to read the Squirrel Girl issues I was happily convinced to buy by the This Week in Marvel guys. And we have a cute puppy along with the Squirrel Girl issues. So that's a win for everybody. Simon Seb, Simon Williams, it's actually happening. I'm here at the Live This Week in Marvel. This is what I won at the Live This Week in Marvel. I have no idea who this is. You got an old Skull the Slayer uh, trade paperback. That's amazing. Please read that and let us know what you think. Had a great time at the Live This Week in Marvel. Cool getting to meet Agent M, Ben J. Morris, FAC Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Blake Garris. Yeah, some people got to meet Blake. That was a super treat for all of them. Um, he was very elusive. Something I forgot to add from the Live This Week in Marvel. Daniel said he liked the cut of my jib. That made me happy. Yeah, he liked, he, he says that a lot, liking the cut of people's jibs. Twim of the week for March 30th, 2016. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number six. The creative team for this book deserves a raise. I think they're being paid pretty well. Don't you worry. Gotta be honest, not liking Moon Girl's new costume. Maybe it'll grow on me in a few more issues. It's not so much a costume as it's just 
what she grabbed together. So who knows? That could end up being refined. Or you're right. It might just grow on you and you like it. While reading X-Men 92, I did not have all the old voices and theme songs in my head. Imagine it was this, or I did have all the old voices and theme songs in my head. Imagine it was the same for a lot of fans. Uh, for this fan, definitely. The cartoon Wolverine and cartoon Gambit and cartoon Rogue are weighing heavy on my reading experience with X-Men 92. That being said, I wish I had complimented Agent M on his epic mustache. Don't encourage him. Just don't. The Tech Lord. Carnage is a fascinating comic. The last issue was the best yet. I'd love a Netflix show made out of that. I don't know if we'll ever get a Netflix show made out of Carnage. That's uh, that's some pretty grody stuff. And Ben J. Morris, was your mic turned off? Regardless, congrats on whoever managed to salvage your side of the podcast. No idea what you're referring to, but good that someone saved the day. And finally, from the Tech Lord, we have, I figure Agent M would have a MODOK tattoo on his shoulder and that is a reference to Patsy Walker Hellcat uh, wanting to get a normal tattoo and almost getting it turned into MODOK. And that's it. We got all the questions and comments in. Guys, thank you for listening this week. Of course, uh, things are always different when one of us is out. So hopefully you found this episode to your liking. Maybe Ryan will be back next week. Maybe I'll be here next week. Alexis, are you going to be here next week? We don't know that. Who knows what could happen? It's unpredictable. But for always, this is Marvel and this is your universe.